This week on Out Now with Aaron and Abe, we're talking First Man. And we're also talking about bad times at Royale. We also have a substitute teacher for Abe, which is me, Alan Aguilera. And you're going to be in for quite a treat. Wait a minute, I forgot my introduction. We are now recording, and this is Out Now with Aaron and Abe. I am Aaron, and Abe is on assignment. Um, Out Now is a film podcast where Abe and I normally discuss new movies weekly. We cover some various movie topics, jump into a mostly spoiler for your review, then jump back into other movie topics. This is episode 340-340. Yeah, we did it. We, <laughs> we cleared the 330s. And uh, this week we're talking First Man, the latest film from director Damien Chazelle. Uh, starring Ryan Gosling, or has uh, Neil Armstrong, and uh, joining me tonight to discuss First Man, we have from MGM, sole survivor of Apollo 18, it's Peter Paris. Hey, everybody. From the Milky Way Blues, back from a, be- a battle beyond the stars, it's Yancey Burns. Hey, friends. Also joining us from the most southern of Carolinas, he's never gotten the measles, it's Alan Aguilera. You don't know that for sure. I'm pretty sure. Have you gotten the measles? Okay. I have not, but there you, you didn't go. know. Okay. Fair enough. Fair enough. Hey, guys. How are all of you doing tonight? I'm fine. I'm great. I'm doing good. I'm good. Yeah, we're good. I'm good. 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 I like I like, I like. like the energy right now. It's pretty like, yeah, we're in a good mood. Like, that's what I like to do on this podcast. You know, you know sometimes we're really excited. Peter, you can, you can be excitable. I understand that. It's fine. That's true. <laughs> Alan, you've calmed down in recent years after your wrestling career ended. Yeah. I mean, I used to come in hot, like, hey, everybody, what's going on? And then I realized, like, I listened back to a few of the episodes I've been on. I'm like, oh, well, maybe, maybe I'm a 30-plus-year-old man. I can't be saying these things on the podcast anymore. <laughs> and yet, see, you escalate. We, we we get you to that point. You start off low, then we get you up there. That's that's how we roll. Yes, it's very easy to get me going, so yeah. be gentle. Yeah, so we'll, we'll, <laughs> we'll, we'll stick with where we are for now. Let's get to some show notes real quick before we talk about the uh, all the other fun stuff we're going to do this evening. Uh, first up, we have our horror specials going right now. It is October, which means that on Out Now with Aaron and Abe, we like to have special bonus episodes focused entirely on the horror genre uh, we've had a couple already uh one is tangentially connected because we had a commentary track for dark man the sam raimi film for a variety of reasons but one of mainly being that it's a it's a superhero movie that happens to be an homage to universal horror monsters uh, so that was a lot of fun that's up on audio boom and itunes and everywhere now also we just had our like first like real official horror episode where we talked about the film the fly david cronenberg's the fly from 1986 starring jeff goldblum gina davis um, that was a lot of fun we had a very in-depth discussion on that film that's up on audio boom in itunes and spotify now as well uh, we had a lot of good guests for that we had professor mike dylan on we had uh, jimmy o and jason coleman and we do have more horror specials on the way so be uh, be aware of those because in addition to these fun episodes we got those coming as well uh, what else uh contest stuff we haven't done a full-fledged contest in a while we had a uh, we had a thing going for our summer gamble um, and we had um a dinosaur contest that i've i've lost track of but just to remind people i have four digital codes for the for the various uh, jurassic park films uh actually we're at the point where even jurassic world fallen kingdom is now available although not in that code but the idea was if you could draw us a dinosaur in some manner whether it's through your own drawing abilities uh th- through image software what have you and create your own dinosaur and name it and send it to us on our various channels whether it's on facebook or twitter or your email us at gmail.com um we would select the winner and deliver them the four download codes uh we have not selected winner as of yet so we will get to that that said if you do do that by, let's say, the end of this week, like if you're just like, you know what, I should draw that dinosaur, 
feel free to do it because you can enter this contest. Uh, but see, you know, next week I promise we will announce a winner to that one as well as post that dinosaur on the site. Can guests on your show participate in this contest? I'm going to allow it just because I would like to see a lot of varieties of creative dinosaurs. Here's the thing: I don't want the codes. I just want to win. That's fair. You'll you'll get credit. I can guarantee you that. So there. Uh, what else? and yeah, speaking of contests. It is, you know, we are doing all these horror specials, so we might as well have some kind of horror contest. So Abe and I are going to kind of tinker on that one as well, kind of create some kind of contest, because uh, I, I, we got a lot of prizes we can send out. Um, so yeah, all that there. Um, and speaking of all this exclusive free content that you can, you know, just either listen to or just win just for putting in a marginal amount of effort, um, you can find this show on iTunes. Um, given that we're giving all this to you guys, why not give back and log on iTunes uh, search for our show and give us a review and rating. It'd be perfect. It'd be helpful. It raises us up in the podcast charts. We have a lot of friends of the show that do podcasts, and so we want to, you know, just really crush them in the in the ratings. So you know, it'd be great. It'd be great to get a review rating and you know help help us out and and uh, crushing our enemies, which is uh, one of our the main themes of the show: crush your enemies. Um, what else? I think that's it for the uh, show notes. So let's get to some everybody. Where each week we ask each other a question or two, try to set the tone for the podcast, and better get to know no, everybody. everybody. Thank you, Alan. Hey, somebody. <laughs> uh, so I have a question for all you guys. It's pretty straightforward. Would you go into space? Yeah. Yeah. 100%. I mean, I don't really want to lose weight or, like, physically train for it, but I'll go. Let's do it right now. <laughs> so, like, you're on, like, the Branson version? Sure. Yeah, whatever. You just kind of get I'll be like, plane. hey. Yeah. Hey, just, let's just do this thing. Your scientists figured out how to get me up there. Yancy, how about you? You going into space? Uh, for sure. I would love to. I'd do it in a heartbeat. This seems like a much more straightforward answer than I was expecting. So we're all like just pro going to space, I guess. I feel well, like the yeah. answer. Um, I mean, yes, I would go into space. I'd be curious how I got there. And if I'm doing some kind of mission, or if I'm just visiting space and just be like, hello, space, and then they leave again. Oh, here's a better question. Sure. I'm not a better. Different. It's Because then you're going to have to think about it a little bit more. Because you're great. Here's the thing. What if, here's, <laughs> let's say, would you go into space knowing that you wouldn't be able to come back? Hmm. Because I'd do it. So now, uh, well, so like. You mean like let's interstellar? Say, sure. Let's say you had to go and like dig a hole in the moon so it gets the right aerodynamic to turn and keep us living. So let's say you had to go up there and you had to be some average Joe because they can't, like, if I went up there, they don't want to like sacrifice a scientist. Let's, let's send this dude. So I'm like, fine. I'm like Sam Rockwelling it to space now? Yeah, let's say you're doing the moon thing. Okay, so now I'm like in there for at least a prolonged period of time. Correct. I mean, is there anybody else there? Am I by myself? Like, Oh, see, I didn't... Well, let's say you have one other person that you can't choose. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, uh, yeah. If it's a one-way ticket, and at this point in my life, I'm not sure if I would say yes. No, I was going to say, if, he, if Peter said yes to the, you don't get to choose who comes, and then he says yes, I'd say, it's the Grimace. That's the answer. Yeah. It's Grimace. It's, it's McDonald's Grimace character. Ooh, yeah, there and he is. always there wears is. the suit. <laughs> and does not talk. It's just really mm -hmm. scary. Yeah, just sits there. He just sits there, there watching you. That's that's the Grimace when you sleep and everything. That's like, like, that's like saying, hey, I want to go up there, but I want to go with Gritty from the Philadelphia Flyers. That, <laughs> you know, got to take him back home. See, he'd right. be ineffective because he can't, he can't skate in space, right? You don't know that. But I guess you'd think, yeah, we'd have the whatever device to make it, make it possible. Yeah, whatever. All right. I feel like we've milked this Sorry. question for as much as we need to. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you, Alan, for embellishing the bottom line. <laughs> All right. That's how you play 
Nobody. Nobody. All right, let's move on. Let's get to something less silly. Let's talk about out no quickies. Tim. Each way not now, we do talk about Tim. Thank you. Yeah. It's good. You're good filling. You know, and you do this I'm good. Trying, of a, you man. do this good of a job. Some people might not be able to come back. Just saying. Oh man. Just putting, just putting that out there. I'm feeling great. <laughs> um, let's start with let's start with Yancey. Yancey, what other movies have you seen this week? What other movies have I seen this week? Yeah, or in general. Oh, uh, let's see. What have I seen again? You know, this 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 year I've been doing poorly on new releases. Obviously, I just saw First Man, and I saw it about twenty minutes ago. Um, what have I seen this week? You know, rewatching a lot of horror movies for Halloween. Get this whole every night in October, we got to watch a horror movie thing. Self inflicted rule. Uh, watching a lot of the Halloween sequels. Uh, I have been too, and actually. Yeah. Enjoying them. I think that's a strong series. Uh, Watching a lot of Friday the Thirteenth sequels, and again, I don't think that's a strong series. I think that, I think that the uh, the Halloween sequels are uh, head and shoulders above most of the Friday the Thirteenth sequels. You know, it's funny we disagree on a lot of things, but I'm right here with you right now on this. Like, I, right? I, yeah. I, I, yeah. Halloween, Halloween's my preferred slasher franchise. They keep it interesting, they, and they at least keep up with the Halloween sort of mood and imagery. The Friday the Thirteenth movies. They just they're I, I don't want to say they're boring, but I, I find it hard to watch them. They they're they're so samey, you know, and and it really just comes down to those big kill moments, which are often very clever and well executed, but eh, I don't know. It's hard to it's hard to binge the Friday the thirteenth movies because they start to really mush together. That's a fair way to look at it for sure, because I, I agree with you. I think there's a there's an awareness in those films that for me personally, because obviously there's a huge fan base for them, or me personally just kind of like I don't really care to keep watching these where halloween and i'm not gonna say the halloween friend like all of them are you know great i mean there's i have my ones that i prefer or whatnot but i do think there's there's a self-seriousness that i do think serves the purpose of that franchise beyond just like kills i think there's something about it that just feels more i don't know professional (laughs) in in the realm of this kind of genre wait but i ask though in the realm of slashers wouldn't you say scream is the best no. Even though I like Halloween. <laughs> no, I would not. No, <laughs> no. I, there's, there's, but, but, there's two there's good only... movies, and that's it. I would agree. I know what Pete's trying to say, and I would agree that the four Scream movies are all, I think, very good in, in terms of slasher movies compared to other slasher movies. All four of the Scream movies are, I think, good. I think maybe eight of the Halloween movies are good, and maybe three of the F-13. So he's saying, like, which series is the most consistently good. If they had made ten Scream movies, perhaps that wouldn't be the case. Um, yeah, but it, as far as ratios go, half are good to me and half are bad to me. So really? I, you think three and four are bad <laughs> movies? Yes, I, th- yes I, think, oh. I think three is easily the worst, and I think four yeah, is... A, and that it, let me finish my sentence. I think four is a giant missed opportunity to capitalize on the current trend of horror. I think well, right, but I you think gotta compare those to Halloween two and Halloween four. Are you being honest? Because those are yes, I am. I, I legit. Oh, she's good. She's really good. I, I legit really like two. I like four a lot. I like three as far two as two is being, okay. Two I like, is okay. Two I is like three as far as okay. being its own thing. I I like five more than most. I like H two O. Resurrection's like god awful. Um, but we're looking at those as with, with as sort of nostalgia items that are sort of old, and we and we allow their faults to be their faults because we go, oh, it was made in 1983. I think objectively, though, Scream three and four are, along with most of those Halloween sequels, way way up in the list of all the great slasher movies. Most of the slasher movies, I and I've seen all, my my roommate I really do all the slasher movies on Blu-ray. Pretty much all the all the main ones, and I've seen 
Most of them are garbage. I'm not going to pride myself as a slasher expert because I'm not. This is more, this is more friend of the show, Brandon football. Peters territory. But I, but as far as the screen, if we're going to focus specifically on the Scream series, I really dislike three and four for, for oh, a variety of reasons that I don't Those need to get into West right Craven now. movies, man. Those are good movies. I, yeah, I, I, I think four is like, it's, it's very sad that that's the last West Craven movie. Oh, I don't know. I thought it was good. Yeah. Four is terrific. I was very disappointed in it. Well, there we are. I like the first five minutes, and then there's another two hours. We're at an impasse. Because all of those <laughs> movies are needlessly long, <laughs> including the first Pete, two. Pete, Pete, Pete and myself are, are, are big fans of, of four. Yeah. yeah, I love four. Yeah, well, it's a good thing Abe's not here, because he'd just be just j- jumping up with joy as well, because he likes four, too. Uh-huh. But Abe isn't here, and guess what? Four <laughs> shit. <laughs> uh, but either way... Miss out, Abe. I I prefer the Halloween movies over Nightmare or Friday Thirteenth. I'll I'll say this though: there's another franchise that's been making a run at being like one of the best modern slasher franchises, and it's Child's Play. There's only I, I, I've seen too many I haven't seen. There's, 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 yeah, there's only I, I, there's only one bad one in the bunch, which is Seed of Chucky. I think all the other ones are varying degrees of good. Is Bride, Bride good? Chucky? I like Bride. Is, Chucky's Bride, after. Bride is my favorite one. Bride is really I haven't good. seen Seed or, or or the other ones. And the, these two recent ones, Curse of Chucky and Cult of Chucky, they're really solid, mm-hmm. like their own genre. Like the uh, what Cult of, or Curse of Chucky is like a solid um, gothic horror movie, and Cult of Chucky has a lot of twists that you might not see coming as far as what it's trying to do. No, it really I've heard that. I, I do want to see those too. Yeah, I've heard those. Are, those it's hard are to good. talk about that one because there's a lot of things that happen. Like, oh, it's making this kind of decision. So, so are none of us fans of like the Nightmare for? I mean, um. Nightmare on Elm Street movies, or I'm not an Elm Street guy, first. Yeah, me neither. I like the first one. The first one's good. I like oh, I like a new nightmare. New nightmare, I think, is the yeah, best one. one of those. Oh yeah, I like new nightmare. I mean, they, the problem with that series is they they, they they very quickly decided that Freddy was the antihero, and you get a lot of this bitch, this and die bitch, and you're kind of supposed to be rooting for him. It gets a little ugly and unpleasant. Yeah, I, I don't like that series. <laughs> I think I, you know, and let me just say this: I think Robert England is 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 over the top in an unappealing way in that role. I'm just what about I'm, Hellraiser. I'm still quietly Hellraiser. seated with rage about this Scream Three being good thing because that just Scream Three. Three. Like I can I can hear the argument for four. I can understand that. I think Three is like everything oh. about everything that should be wrong with those kind of movies is wrong in Three. Oh, well, Three is good. Listen, let me let me give you the defense of Scream Three. The only reason I bought it is because I had a bunch of family from Mexico, and it was the only DVD with Spanish subtitles. So, <laughs> you know what? If it filled that for me, and we're all set. Based on the the denouement, the ending of Scream Three and Scream Four, no, the twists are not that great at the end. But the, in terms of the, they the don't murder help. Set, <laughs> they don't help. I can of, let you know that. No, but in terms of the murder set pieces, they are, I think, pretty effective. He keeps it up, uh, that, which is why I like those three and four. You know, they, they, I think two is actually the one I like the best. No, the I agree. One. Two is the best one. I. <laughs> See, we can agree on things. It's okay. We agree on a lot of things, Aaron. What are you talking about? <laughs> We've been talking about this a lot. Let's go to Peter. What have you been watching recently? Uh, I just started. Well, does the Haunting of Hill House count? If you're watching it, just mention it. It's all okay. good. <laughs> uh, yeah, I just started. Watch, I just started watching that. I also, I'm behind, but I just finished season three of Better Call Saul. And I love it. So now I'm going to about to watch the last season, which it's I a heard. movie show, guys. Movies. I know, I know, I know. <laughs> uh, but as far as uh, I, you know, I haven't really watched a lot of. Um, I usually try to watch a lot of scary movies in October, but I haven't really watched anything uh, lately. Like I need to. I'm behind. I need to get on that. Um, oh, it means you got to watch two a night because we're always half. We're already halfway through the month. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and uh, you have that kind of time, right? We, that's just how it happens. 
Right. Oh, oh, although wait, if we're talking about what have we seen lately, um, you know, I mean, if we're going back one or two weeks, I mean, I saw Venom and I saw Star is Born. I thought Venom was not great. Um, and I liked Star is Born. I thought it was pretty enjoyable. So, yeah. All right. Cool. Yeah. There you go. Alan, how about you? Um, I have really quick about TV. I finished Ozark season two recently, <laughs> and that was great. Uh, Movie-wise, I watched Bad Times at El Royale, and I had a really good time. Um, I thought it was very Tarantino-esque, so you know it's not like the hottest of takes, but yeah, it's it, it was good. It was fun. It was enjoyable. It was really long. Let's let's talk about this a bit more because I saw this too, and I think Peter, I you saw it also, too. right? Yeah. Saw you, it. you see, you yeah. didn't remember. You didn't. You didn't. You didn't even talk about it because you forgot you saw it. I That's... forgot. I saw no, it. He, wants, he wants to talk about TV. <laughs> Um, but I like I like good times at Battle Royale. I just thought it's just too long. Good times at Battle Royale. <laughs> Sorry. Oh, that's, a good Sorry. One. that's what you just said. I know. Bad times at the El Royale. That's that's uh, that's where Beat Takashi comes in. It's like, hey guys, <laughs> I brought all these kids to this hotel. We're gonna have a hell of a night. <laughs> it's gonna be great. That's a fun joke. Uh, I could expand on that, but I'm not going to. Uh, bad times at El Royale. No, Alan, I agree with you. I think it's fun enough, but yeah, it's way too long, and I think. I think the mystery of the film, and I wouldn't say it's like necessarily a mystery film, it's more of a how did all these people get here type film. And I think after the first hour, there's just not much left to like explore. No. I'm just like, I feel like I got the idea of everything, so now we're just kind of waiting for it to end. And You're waiting given, for the big bad to show up. And, and given that, that there's an yeah. hour and 20 minutes left in the movie, it's like, that's a long time to wait for things yeah. to kind of escalate further. I mean, I think as much as I think she has a beautiful voice and as much screen time as she had... I think if they cut down the singing scenes, they could have saved like 20 minutes, like just a bit. Because we kind of got, I don't know, there's like a few scenes where this young lady's a singer and she just. Oh, you're referring sings, to uh, Cynthia Arrivo, like she's a Broadway actress who's in this Correct. and uh, Widows, which is also coming out this year. Correct. And she has a beautiful voice. But I just feel like you didn't, you didn't need to focus on this for five minutes, man. Um, we get it. I understand. She sounds wonderful and she's perfect. Can we move on? Um, and then a couple other things just kind of dragged a little bit and he could have trimmed it up a little bit, but I enjoyed myself and Chris Hemsworth is a stud. And I'm just, I was sitting there watching it like, Oh, this makes me feel really bad about myself because <laughs> that dude works out and he puts in the work. I'm, I'm, I think I'm the same height as Chris Hemsworth and then I have the same like broad shoulders. So I'm just like, I could be so much and this is what I chose to be. And that guy is looking, looking trashy, but still, you know. Looks like a man. He's not a dude. Um, and then the... Uh, but Peter, you were a bigger fan of El Rey, yeah. right? Yeah, I liked... I, I'm i really curious about Yancey Burns eventually seeing it because he was not a fan of Hateful Eight the way I was or I think Aaron was. But I did think that Bad Times at the El Royale was more... I, I, I like... I think Hateful Eight's a better movie. But I can kind of get if people saw the two and thought the bad times was more, I guess, entertaining or something. I don't know. I'd be curious to see what the answer is. No, wait, wait, wait. I, wait, I think Hateful Eight's a better movie. I'm not saying that, but but I do, I enjoyed uh, Bad Times. My only thing was, honestly, yeah, it's too long. I was fine with the singing. My thing is, honestly, I don't think you need most of the flashbacks. I think a lot of the flashbacks you don't need. Mm -hmm. To me, that's how you would cut the runtime down. Um, I think some you need, of course, but I mean, by the time you get to some at the end where I was just like, oh, really? Now we got to go into this guy's backstory. Oh, yeah. You didn't need the Miles backstory. Right. That's where I was just like, oh, we don't need this. But 
it, it's just fun, like it's funny you mentioned the backstories and you mentioned hateful eight because my other comparison point there's a number of comparison points but as far as tarantino goes because there's obviously a lot of tarantino-esque which is an official word now thank the oxford dictionary that there's there's some longer flashbacks and that reminded me of reservoir dogs where i'm thinking the reason i'm not as high on reservoir dogs and i as, as i am as some other tarantino films is because mr orange flashback is way too long compared to everybody else's and i'm like all right and that's kind of how i felt with some of el royale where it's like some of these are just going wait like you mentioned the singer uh alan and her her flashback it's like you get it like in a minute but it's like let's keep this going and really emphasize why she has a flashback it's like all right i understand and so yeah like you're saying peter there's there's a lot of backstory that I feel like I just figured out right away, and I don't know yeah. why I have to keep you know kind of sitting in it for so long. But but I will say though the setting, like the way the the uh, the, the art direction is of the hotel and all the the, the whole layout of the rooms, which kind of reminded me of the end of Cabin in the Woods. This this weird little thing that Drew Goddard keeps like compartmentalizing types of people or types of monsters and like i really liked that so there's a lot i liked but yeah i mean so it's like a low b for me i'm going i'm going a bit long on this one because we could have done a double episode on this and first man but i just i didn't want to so i just kind of want to speak our piece on bad times of the orl because it is the other big release of the week even though it did very bad at the box office this weekend um but yeah i i i agree with all what you guys are saying and i i think it just even speaking of like the aesthetic value of it again you get that in the first hour. It's like it's not like there's more to do with the location after that point. Like they don't like because the that there's like a big like long take that's like what like ten almost ten minutes and it's like yeah that's that's really neat. It's great that Drew Goddard could pull that off. It's clever and there's other things happening to kind of enhance the drama. But again, that happens in like what the first thirty minutes or so. So it's after that. And you mentioned not even necessarily hateful eight, but just something I like about Tarantino in general is both. I think that I think his dialogue is generally really good and his style works for me in a way where i remember scenes because of the way they're shot or whatnot i don't feel i don't feel that with bad times it feels like a 90s like movie that came after pulp uh, pulp fiction as far as everybody else trying to do the same thing and not quite succeeding some better than others and so it's like yeah all right it's here i it's fun for a watch i'd recommend it but yeah it's like a low b is a good <laughs> way place i'd put it yeah Good actors, well, you know. There are a lot of, a lot oh, of yeah, good performances. I think Bridges is the best he's been in a while, actually. Uh, oh yeah, he's really good. Yeah he's, yeah, he's not capitalizing off another variation of Rooster Cogburn. He's actually putting on a performance, which I thought was, you know, nice. Not that. Oh yeah, not, I get a... not, not that he's not welcome in things, but it's like, oh, he's actually like really putting his all in this one. It seems like. Like the third act, I thought he, I thought he was wonderful. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then uh, what else have I seen? That's it. Like, I think the last thing I saw before that was Crazy Rich Asians. And I, it's it's not for me, but I'm very happy that it exists, and I'm very happy I gave it money. But I am not the target audience for that. All right. Yeah. Um, I've seen a few things as well um, that I'll make note of. I've seen a lot of things, actually, so I'll try to keep it a little short. Um, on and I were at the, new, the uh, San Diego Film Festival this week, um, and so we saw a couple films there. I saw Widows, uh, which I will leave till we talk about widows in a more official capacity in november um, but i saw can you ever forgive me as well on and i saw it we saw it. we saw both of these um which uh this is the new melissa mccarthy film uh, oh let's see that yeah, yeah that's good it is quite good um i think it arrives in theaters next week in like limited release um it has her and richard e grant uh richard e grant who's basically playing like an older version of whitnell from whitnell and i uh, which is like oh that's fun to see melissa mccarthy i think this might be your best role 
without a doubt. Like I just thinking of the other like memorable roles she said. I think this is like I I, I think my my favorite variation of her as a comedic persona is when she's just very brash and very forward and cutting people down when they're rude to her or just existing around her uh, like my favorite parts of spy i think is when she stops kind of putting on like disguises and just starts like cursing at rose Byrne. i think that's like the, the funniest she is in that movie and this movie is basically all that it's just her being a, a misanthropic writer um that's gets herself on this kind of elaborate con man scenario um but there's more going on than that and so i'd really recommend it i think it's very good what else? Beautiful Boy. Um, this film came out this week in limited releases. The one with Steve Carell and Timothy Chalamet. I mentioned it last week a bit during our Star is Born review. Um, I'm not a big fan of this movie. I think performance-wise, there's some good stuff going on here. It also has um, Maura Tierney and Amy Ryan. And uh, I think Tierney is actually probably the best performance of the bunch. The Chalamet is very good. And given that he's the, the main, basically the main character, it's, you know, it works out. But this, the, the film... It focuses on Chalamet and Carell's father-son relationship. Chalamet, he's... And it's based off, like, the memoirs of both these characters who exist in real life, both the father and the son. And so the idea was to take the two memoirs and put them together and make a film out of it. And it's about the son's addiction to, to meth and dealing with that addiction, the rehab, the rehab, relapses, what have you. And it's very cyclical, which is not necessarily a bad thing as far as kind of seeing this person suffer and continually go through these things. But the bigger issue I had was it's very boxed in. It very much focuses exclusively on this thing, which there's a, I think there's a, I think there's a way to handle that that really works. But for the purpose of this film, I think it leaves a lot out as far as certain motivations of why things are happening this way, as well as the other characters around them and who they are. Uh, I mean, there you have a whole family to deal with, but you're just mainly focusing on these two people the entire time in a way that just feel it makes me not as, I guess, emotionally connected as the film wants me to be, which I think is unfortunate because I think there's a good story to be told here. And obviously there's a good message to be told here, but yeah, it's just not it doesn't quite come together for me. So, yeah, I'll just say I saw a number of other films. I saw a film called All Square, which is on um, it's streaming now. It stars Michael Kelly, who I think you best know as Doug Stamper in House of Cards, the president's right hand man who um, I'm very curious to see what his life is like now that um, Kevin Spacey's not in that show anymore. Um, but it, this movie, All Square, it's a, it's like a kind of a riff on Bad News Bears. Um, the the main, Michael Kelly plays like a bookie um, who begins to, he befriends an ex-girlfriend's son who's on a Little League team and he begins to kind of start taking bets on Little League games. So it's like a fun premise. And it's fun. It's like a nice crime comedy slash coming of age story. And I think I'll just leave it there because I saw another th number of other things, but they'll come out later. So, but yeah, so I saw a bunch of things. <laughs> That's where I'm at. All right. That was out of quickies. Yep. All right, let's move on. Let's get to some trailer talk where we talk about one of the newest movie trailers of the week, what we thought of it, what have you. This week we're talking Vice. This is the new film from director Adam McKay. Previously gave us the big short where he won an Oscar, which is just fun to say that Adam McKay has an Oscar. This film features Christian Bale as Dick Cheney uh, going over a good portion of his life, which... <laughs> I would assume, I'd imagine is mainly focused on his rise to being uh, vice president. The film also has Amy Adams as Lynn Cheney, Steve Carell as Donald Rumsfeld, and Sam Rockwell as George W. Bush. Let's start. Let's start with Yancey. Yancey, what do you think of the trailer for Vice? 
Uh, great trailer. Um, great trailer. It looks like a great Bale performance. Uh, again, you couldn't have imagined how he would play Dick Cheney, and then you see the trailer, you're like, oh, that, that's a pretty good Dick Cheney. Um, my hopes are high. You know, the the big short, I, I'm assuming, was a transitional movie for McKay. I liked it, didn't love it. I'm sure in some ways he was restricted to sort of make something that still resembled a comedy because he was known for his stepbrothers and whatever. I think with this one now, he's going to have the freedom to make exactly the movie he wants to make. And I would imagine it'll be a really sharp, uh, sharp uh, political movie. I look forward to it. All right. Good. Tra- really good trailer. Peter, how about you? Yeah, a terrific trailer. I, you know, I, I, and I would agree. I like Big Short, but I, yes, I, I, I think it, it, it leans a little too much into its kind of um, comedy-esque qualities that, that always makes me feel like, like I never watched Big Short more than once, but I liked it. I was like, oh, it's entertaining and smart. Um, but this, yeah, this really feels like a full, robust like film and everything. And I gotta say, I've always liked Christian Bale. Like, I mean, he's a terrific actor, but I haven't really seen him in a role where I'm like, oh, I can't wait to see that performance. And I, yeah, I'm really looking forward to seeing him as Cheney. And also, uh, what, is, what does that I, mean? I guess I, I guess I feel like. You know, of course, I love his early, you know, of course, American Psycho, you know, and everything. I guess somewhere along the Dark Knight era, even though he's good as in the Dark Knight, I don't know what it is, but I stopped. And there was also, what was the one that everyone loved, the Equilibrium? The oh. Yeah. Equilibrium. Also, I wasn't a big fighter guy either. Like, there, there was something about some of the, the last, like, seven years or so of Bale where I'm always like, well, he's, a, he's obviously a good actor, but for some reason, his, what he's chosen to invest himself in doesn't interest me you know as much and this i yeah i i was i was really like wow he really seems lived in as cheney and rockwell too like really good like i was really like oh he's totally bush like um yeah no i yeah i'm totally on board i i think it looks terrific i want to go into this bail thing where i'll let uh, i'll go next i guess and as far as the trailer goes i think there's a great trailer um it I was a fan of the big short. I liked it quite a bit. I was surprised how much I was into what McKay was doing. Cause I just didn't know it was going to come, but I thought it was a, you know, it was smart and funny. Um, and this just looks like more of that. Um, except now we're in the Oliver Stone W universe where we spun off, um, into the Cheney style, um, which is, that'll be fun to compare Richard Dreyfuss as Cheney to, uh, <laughs> Christian Bale. Yes. Um, uh, but as far as Bale goes, no, I think he, I mean, he's the kind of guy that's going to give it his all, uh, which is, what he does and so it's like yeah all right he's he gained the weight and he's playing cheney and he looks like him so good good on him we'll see if that kind of amounts to more um i'm hoping that the screenplay uh, has a lot of clever ways to handle this particular story and have it reflect on you know now which i assume it will uh, as far as bail goes it's like i look at the, the list of performances of the past decade like dude's been on point like i can't say all the films are spectacular but like I tend to look at Out of the Furnace, a film that I'm not a huge fan of, as Bale's best performance next to, like, Rescue Dawn. I think he's absolutely amazing in that movie. Uh, I think he's great in Knight of Cups. I, he, I, I, from what I'm gathering is that I don't... I think what he... I think what he's trying to say is he sees that Christian Bale in the movie. That's cool. That's great. I don't think he's pumped about any of his performances. because I think it's more of a, oh, I'll see this because I like Christian Bale. It's not... I need to see this because I need to see why how Christian Bale does in this. That's fair. Am I yeah. am I off on that assessment? Or he hasn't played. He hasn't played too many 
people we have preconceived notions of. So that's one thing where, of course, yeah. there's more interest in how's he going to play Dick Cheney than there is how's he going to play the American hustle guy because Dick Cheney is someone we know. So he played Moses. <laughs> yeah, I don't know what Moses was like. <laughs> John Heston, you mean? Yeah, he played Chuck Heston in that movie. <laughs> I, have no, I have no preconceived notion of what Moses was like. Did, did Dick Cheney, we know who he is, you know? How <laughs> Moses walked. You know, pers- I no per- personally, I probably know more about Moses than I do about Dick Cheney, but that's me. <laughs> how he walked or how he, what his voice sounded like. No one knows that. Honestly, I, I, haven't, I haven't seen much. I, don't pay, I didn't pay much attention to Dick Cheney beyond, like, headlines, so honestly, I don't know too much about Dick Cheney. You're trying to tell me that you know more... Ah, oh, forget it. <laughs> I'm named That's after his fun. brother, so yes, I do think I know a bit more about Moses. There isn't I'm... even a photograph of Moses. How could you possibly... Sure there is. It's chiseled into that stone that's in the ark somewhere <laughs> that's in dust. You know? Alan? <laughs> yes, sir. <laughs> what did you think of the trailer? Uh, we can keep it short. I love the big short. It was my favorite movie of that particular year, and I can't wait to see this. This is a total... This is a total, I guess, Alan... TM movie, <laughs> so I mean, I'm, I'm all in. I'm ready. I just I want to read some of the rest of the cast here because there's a lot of um, there's some Jesse Plemons. Stuff. Yeah, we have Je- Jesse Plemons. Actually, I don't know who is Jesse Plemons playing. It doesn't say. Yeah, I don't know. But we is have Carell, is Carell Rumsfeld. Carell's Rumsfeld. Yeah. Uh, right. Tyler Perry is Colin Powell, which is like, oh, that's fun. <laughs> that's a, that's a fun choice right there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's, there's 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 quite the cast. Eddie Marsden is Paul Wolfowitz, mm-hmm. and that's very. Bill Camp is Gerald Ford, uh, and I like seeing Bill Camp mm. in things. He's a solid character actor. Uh, but no, yeah, this. Show, Some... I I guess I'm, I'm mainly hoping that this is more engaging than W. Or I think W had a real chance to do something, and it just kind of was like, yeah, all right, that's a lot of people doing a good approximation of these characters in two hours. But I, I want Vice to be better. Am I wrong? Am I did dancer? You well, think, W fan? You know, you've got a you've got a filmmaker who has got something to prove. Oliver Stone was not really looking to prove anything at that point in his career. McKay trying. wants to, I'm sure, make a movie that's makes you forget he ever directed lighter comedies. You know. Well, I think W's big problem is that it was so it was too early. We as a nation, as a movie going public, we didn't want to watch something about a president that we just sat through. I did. I liked it. I mean, I enjoyed it, but I don't think I don't think it really it needed to sit. We needed to kind of look back on a little bit later. Like I think Vice is coming at a good time, where we kind of are starting to see the real fallout and consequences of that administration. Yeah. So that's a good way to look at it. Yeah. All right. Well, Vice hits theaters Christmas Day, December twenty fifth. So, you know, we'll see. All right. Let's move on. Let's get to our film review for. First man. We have a goal for main engine start. T minus ten. The entire world's watching. Nine. Eight. Do you question whether the program's worth the cost? Seven. In money and in lives? Six. Five. What are the chances you're not coming back? Four. Those kids, they don't have a father anymore. Three. So you're going to sit the boys down? Two. And you're going to prepare them for the fact you might not ever come home. One. Do you think you're coming back? All right. 
that should have been some of the trailer for First Man. After winning Best Picture, oh wait, that was Moonlight. After winning Best Director, Damien Chazelle only pretty much any direction to go, and he chose to do a, a biopic uh, with First Man. This is a look at the life of Neil Armstrong during his time in the 1960s American space program, uh, which goes over the type of person that he was. He was not in it for the glory, as we see Neil Armstrong deal with struggles of his personal life, while navigating the challenges of traveling outside the Earth's atmosphere. Ryan Gosling stars as Armstrong, with a tremendous cast of supporting players that includes Claire Foy as his wife, Janet. Shot with a mix of 16mm, 35mm, and IMAX cameras, the film goes over his uh, experience with the Gemini and Apollo programs. Uh, Alan, did you find uh, Chazelle's take worthwhile? I did. I was a big fan of it. It's still fresh in my mind. I think it just came from the screening. Um, I was riveted from the first moment in his first failed mission, or kind of failed mission. It was... It was it was riveting, and I think that it really shows the range of Damien, because it's, it's so different compared to La La Land, and it's so different compared to Whiplash, and it's just different, like it's a different evolution of a director, and a young director at that, so it was the style he used, the cameras he used, how he kind of built to things, his way of focusing on inside of the cockpit for, you know, basically budgetary reasons because they couldn't afford to shoot everything, I'm sure, the way he wanted to. But it made it feel claustrophobic. It kind of really put you in their position and in their shoes. I think that he really didn't heighten the sentimentality as much as I think other directors would or how um, he's really subtle about it. And he really didn't give you everything. Like, he didn't give you, like, name tags under each actor when they were coming in as Elliot or Buzz or even a lot of the other characters that are involved with the film that are real life people. So like there's little moments in there that you're like, Oh, that's Buzz Aldrin. What's up? Um, but I also think that he really cared about this subject material. And I think he really wanted to show a different, I, I, in my head, I was thinking about like Roger Maris and Mickey Mantle, like doing the Babe Ruth 61 home runs thing and how Roger Maris didn't really want the acclaim. He just wanted to, do the job and i think it's a lot like in this film neil armstrong just wanted to do the job and he was dealing with stuff at home and you kind of really get the idea of the spirit of a man who just wanted to get this done because you could do it and i think that the way that it handled it the way that it progressed throughout the course of the film i was i was really riveted and i think it's one of the best films i've seen this year so i was, I was a big fan peter i've been aware that you um you just you you you've, you've had a challenge in, in mustering up excitement for this film. So now I'm curious, what did you what did you end up thinking of it? You know, I was weird. Um, I liked Whiplash and I liked La La Land, but I could not get myself excited to see First Man. I I love Apollo 13 and I love the right stuff. To be fair, I've not seen those movies in like a million years, but I mean, I remember liking them. But for some reason, I was just like, oh, I'm just not in the mood to like see this movie. And even the night that I was seeing it, I had gotten my ticket. You know, I'm like on my way. And I'm just like, Ugh, I'm just like not in the mood to see this. I'm like, I don't know why I don't want to see this. I'm like, I'm sure it's not going to be terrible. Um, and so, yes, I went in with very low. I wouldn't necessarily say I had low expectations. I wouldn't think it would be a poor movie, but I had a very little interest, I guess. How about that? I just really didn't care. I was like, I don't care about this. Having said that, I was pretty much riveted from frame one. Um, I really liked how Chazelle, um, how he always keeps us in, in the mind, you know, in the, in the psychology of his characters, like in, especially like in with Miles Teller and Whiplash and here, you know, 
we've seen a lot of movies about space travel, but so much of this is so interior. It does that thing that um, something like this is kind of sound like a weird comparison, but I've always thought to me, um, David Lean's Lawrence of Arabia is that perfect epic where it's a big epic. Like it's got a huge visual, it's a huge canvas, but you're very much in the head of people's characters. Yeah, it's very intimate. And this movie's like that too. It can be very big. I mean, I saw it on an IMAX screen, Um, but it can also be very, yeah, absolutely intimate and small. There are actually, there are also moments that kind of reminded me of Malick's Tree of Life. Yeah. uh, Which I'm sure isn't an accident. Uh, So I loved it. I mean, I think when I saw it, I texted Yancey and was like, 10 out of 10, you know, like maybe now it's a nine. I mean, it's been about a week, you know, maybe I, maybe I've calmed down a little, but I don't really have any major issues. I've read some criticisms and stuff about, you know, once again, this is a space story where it's true. A lot of these stories always use father daughter things or daughters. Like, I don't know why, but I thought it worked pretty well. Like, so, uh, yeah, I thought it was, it was pretty terrific. Yancy, where, where have you been with Chazelle? I'm not quite sure where you are on this director, and, and what do you think of the film? Oh, with Chazelle, I I thought uh, Whiplash was certainly a very brilliantly made film. I'm not sure that it amounted to that much in the end, but it certainly showed that we've got a technically skilled filmmaker on our hands. La La Land, I was pretty cool on. I, I didn't find it, that it connected. I thought it started out like a musical and then became a musical drama for an hour. Uh, and having being a huge fan of the Umbrellas of Cherbourg, Jacques Demy's movie, which I know Chazelle also is, I just didn't think it could even come close to comparing. Uh, and in fact, a movie that nobody liked from that year that I really like, Rules Don't Apply, the Warren Beatty movie, I thought did a much better job of sort of showing what a love is like in that sort of Hollywood situation, uh, I, young I, love. I will say, I didn't like it as much as all I am, but I was a fan of that movie as well. <laughs> good, good. Um, and in this case, I do care a lot about the subject and I, I've always wanted to see a movie about Neil Armstrong because Neil Armstrong, uh, uh, you know, the, the thing he was most famous for was he was walking on the moon. The second most famous thing is that he basically disappeared after that. Didn't do public appearances, didn't talk about it. He wanted to share that sort of he didn't want to take any personal glory in, in having done that. So until he died, there was never going to be a movie. Well, yes, I, I think you're forgetting uh, the, the, the film Moonshot. Uh, featuring Kirk Lazarus from Tropic Thunder. I believe that was the, the pivotal story of, uh, of Neil Armstrong. <laughs> but he was a very terse man. He didn't. He was a very private guy. Just the kind of guy that they picked to be an astronaut, you know. And I don't know where I'm landing on this film. I, I Again, the two reference points, of course, the two great movies in the genre are The Right Stuff, which is a big, epic, satirical that's a masterpiece of a movie in which Phil Kaufman, the director, can be straightforward, rah-rah. He can be satirical, rah-rah. It's, it's a gr- brilliant movie. And then Apollo 13 is, of course, a very straightforward, mainstream, meat-and-potatoes sort of uh, adventure thriller. But I think it's really brilliantly put together. One of Ron Howard's best movies. And this one felt like it couldn't be the right stuff. Like, he knew it couldn't be the right stuff. And he also didn't want to do a, a more what we think of now as a jingoistic thing like Apollo 13. Although I don't know how jingoistic it really is. Um so this felt like lukewarm water, as, as Harry Shearer says in Spinal Tap. It felt like you're making a movie about a really exciting thing. And frankly, somebody said they, 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 they praised Chazelle for not being sentimental about it. If there's one thing to be sentimental about, it's a moon landing. I mean, it's a sort of a, a silly uh, sort of 
symbolic gesture in the first place. And now that things are looking pretty shitty around this country, it's like, boy, that really was amazing to think that we had a time where we were doing something that was so interesting. The movie takes a five minute break of a scene to show that there are people who are saying, well, we shouldn't be wasting money on this moon thing when there's trouble at home, of course. But going to the moon and going to space is, is itself it's such an exciting thing. There's so much joy in the successes. And I felt this was a movie that was it, 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 this movie was joyless on purpose, um, partly to be, be to the scale of Armstrong as a character who is very, very, very close to the vest. But I think also, unfortunately, it's it, it, it's joyless to, to, to please a modern audience that is going to be looking out for any kind of thing they perceive as a lie. Oh, this is jingoistic. Oh, this is about white males and their achievements. And as, as a millennial filmmaker, Chazal has to has, has to sort of keep it pretty dry, which he does. And it's really more of a procedural. The procedural aspects work pretty well, mixed with a character study of someone who is sort of uh, a pariah a little bit as a person. Uh, and he didn't get us any closer to knowing Neil Armstrong, nor not that he was going to be able to, because the guy was a private person. And even a, even a version that comes out after his death is still going to. But I thought that I thought that the movie, if it's not going to be a big, exciting rah rah, we did this amazing thing story, then it's got to be something else. And I don't think the movie was something else either. I don't think that the psychodrama going on in in Gosling slash Armstrong's head, very effective, the stuff with his daughter and, and the, the illness. I don't think that psychodrama and the, what he was going through was tied organically in with the story of the Apollo program in a way that made the thing f- cook and feel like a really thoughtful film. It just kind of felt like it had to be the way it was sort of terse and dry because it's 2018 and because it's about a guy who was very terse. But I just couldn't help thinking that even though the, the Apollo 13 makes a lot more concessions towards mainstream appeal in the end, it's, I think a smarter and more full blooded movie, you know, I, you know, I would give this a recommendation. I wouldn't say thumbs down or whatever star rating we're using, but I was, a little let down that it was so uh, uninvolving uh, emotionally. See, I so I disagree. I'm, uh, I'm on the I'm on the page of Peter as far as I really really enjoyed this film, and I can see I can see an angle to come at it where you because it's so underplayed and because it doesn't draw you in in the same way that something obviously exciting like Apollo 13 or even the right or the right stuff are, which are very different movies. I, I can see where coming at it from that standpoint could make it seem like a less emotional film, but I I just I do think it is emotional though. I do I do, I do think there is a connection you can make with this guy who's obviously so reticent and so <laughs> shy and so in his own head that yeah it's it's not the, you know it's it's not the same as having Tom Hanks hold your hand through a movie, but I still think that's effective and affecting. I still think there's a lot that I was able to gather from this film centered around Gosling's what I think is a terrific performance from him to make me care about this guy. I do like that the film doesn't try to be the right stuff or Apollo 13. I like that it kind of, it makes its own mark. And I think that comes regardless. It yeah, it has to do that because you know, yeah, you're, you're competing against two, one, a legit like classic and one that's just a, a very entertaining blockbuster classic. Apollo 13 is my favorite Ron Howard film. And I do love that movie overall. So I, I do like that it does, you know, it, it charts its own path and, I was just into this thing. I, like the way you, you were saying, Alan, where like from the moment it started with this kind of very intense uh, flight test that takes kind of a, a literal bump in the road as far as how <laughs> um, Gosling has to get back to Earth. Um, 
I was just into the style here. I was into what was being shown to me. And then I was really into the drama that's being portrayed here as far as understanding where Armstrong is coming from as far as why he's doing this thing, which is a mix of both like, yeah, the guy, it's in his mind to want to complete this task. Like that's the kind of person he is where he gets, you know, you you put a bunch of parts in front of him, he's going to assemble them. That's what he's going to do no matter what. And it's a mix of that, but also a person that's dealing with, tragedy like i mean you yeah it's they they put you in his position to see his you know the death of a of one of his kids his daughter early on and you see that doesn't go away throughout this film and i think it's a big part of understanding this man as far as how far he's going to go to put his work in front of him so he can not have to think about these things so by the time we do get to the moon spoilers um I think it's. What? <laughs> I think it's a very affecting scene. I think the ending of this film, which I'm not going to go too far into, but I think as far as the lunar sequences and the follow-up scene afterwards, and we'll talk more about those supporting characters as well. But I do think there is a great emotional catharsis for everything that we saw that leads up to those moments, um, which is both a mix of the performances as well as the filmmaking, where there's a very deliberate choice to go from the grainy 16 and 35 millimeter kind of look to right. crystal clear IMAX cameras. Like, yeah. I, I think it's both I... a film that's incredibly well performed, but also incredibly well made. And like it, it for me, it stood on sure footing as far as what Giselle wanted to do with this movie from both aspects. I think the subtext is. I think the subtext that that I was thinking watching the movie is not realized in the movie as well because it's it's an off putting thing to talk about. But the idea that you 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 would suffer this tragedy uh, that would sort of cool your take on life and sort of sort of depress you permanently might also make you more ready to go be the first person to step onto another planet. Mm-hmm. But that was the sort of the sort of implication of of what 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 the connection was there um, which, I thought, I, which I thought is a clever yeah. take on on this person like if we're not gonna but i don't think he i don't think they went there in the movie i think the movie is more I that he just kind of needs to focus on work oh. so it's to think about it but i think I, it, I mean i think i think it's yeah. i think it has to do a lot i mean within two hours and 20 minutes it has to do a lot of things as far as establishing what this is without putting a like you were saying, Alan, like a definitive name on every single detail that's going on here. It shows certain highlights, but it shows a lot more mundane, not necessarily mundane, but it shows a lot. So meat and potatoes is a great way to put this as far as how it depicts the different things that happened during his time in the space program, because you could easily highlight certain accomplishments that happened, but you don't. There's, you know, there's one Apollo mission that goes disastrously that you see. There's other mm-hmm. things that happen between that and Apollo 11 that you don't see. And I like the choices that he made, but I do think it's in terms of, Having to blend both the you know the, the the subtextual notion of what Armstrong's going through with the the basic requirements of a movie that has to tell the story of Neil Armstrong, I like that it doesn't go too far into very familiar routes when it comes to biopics, but also manages to you know to, to balance a variety of things that you're kind of expecting to see in a movie that's about Neil Armstrong. And I feel like I know that I said that earlier. It doesn't really make it superly sentimental but i was still involved at the end when they landed on the moon i was i was gung-ho and even with because he kind of subtly dropped a lot of the usa things because they're taking the elevator up to the top of the of the ship to their i guess i always forget the names of these things the but like the top of their caps the module and you see the united states on the side of the rocket and you see the usa and you see the flags and you see i guess the American paraphernalia that's scattered across this film, but you don't, he doesn't need to come out and say, we're, do, we're doing this for America, because you can see just by what he puts out on the screen. And then you see the shot towards the end where you have the lunar module next to the American flag, he shows it two or three times, and you still get the sense that, yeah, this is still America. 
you had that that scene of this French woman talking about how she knew the Americans could do it. That's the really line. Spoke. That's the that, that was a pointed moment. I thought that was good. The, I yeah. knew Americans would do the right thing. Yeah, which like is a real contrast with today. So like, like exactly like so you're not gonna put it out into your face because audiences today are not gonna deal with that well. It's not. It's gonna. He's gonna do it more subtle. He's gonna t- tone down the overly sentimental, but. Also, you're gonna see you're gonna see it. All the stuff with his wife, it reminds me of once you lose everything, you're free to do anything. Like from, from the dark night. So yeah, he lost something very important to him. That's why you see him being distant with his other children. That's why you see him kind of just dive into his work, because he doesn't want to deal with real life because this is what he wants to do, because he wants to prove a point that he can do this. And he and he doesn't want to step away from his family just for nothing. And I feel that, that I kind of really felt that, like, listen, I, I took a step away from my family and my kids to do this one thing. I need to do this. If not, it's for not. And I did it for nothing. And I'm all, I'm all here for it. To stick into that kind of personal aspect of it, I knew, I mean, I had it in my notes. I was going to bring up Malik if Peter didn't. And I'm curious, Yancey, what do you have to say to kind of the, that kind of comparison? So they know you're a big, you know, you're a big Malik fan. Oh yeah, definitely. I definitely thought, especially in the first half that we were watching a very, a movie that was very influenced by the the 50s scenes in, in Tree of Life for sure, and and, and effectively so. He, he did that well, I thought. Um, he, he you know his homage his homage throughout the movie like nonstop that I thought were very uh, nice and subtle, and they show that Chazelle does in fact know his stuff. He knows his movies. I mean, if you're, yeah, you're going to make a, a a big musical that's indebted to Sharon, but like I mean, it's like I, well, I but like I don't even, now I mean like the scene is a scene in one of the scenes where. Um, Gosling discovers there's a fly buzzing around in, in, in the cockpit with him, mm-hmm. which I think is it has to be a reference to the Billy Wilder version, uh, the Spirit of 76, which is about uh, Charles Lindbergh flying across the mm-hmm. you know, the Atlantic, or whatever. He's got a fly in the cockpit the entire time. He talks to you. I, I guarantee Chazelle was thinking of that when he put that in. There's a lot of little moments like that where I'm reminded that Chazelle, his heart is in the right place, but I just think maybe he's a filmmaker out of time. I don't know whether... Now is the moment to make a big Neil Armstrong movie, and if you do, how do you do it? And I don't think they really figured out a way to do it. But I'm in the minority. Can I can I ask Yancey, can I ask you a question? This is gonna sound kind of like a strange um uh overlap, but I think it's I think it's a fair comparison. I remember uh two years ago, Yancey and I saw Arrival. And I know Arrival obviously has more of a science fiction bent. But there are, I think, some similarities. It's very and, humanistic. Uh, I mean, yeah. Yeah, and I, I liked Arrival uh, a lot. And I think, Yancy, you were a little cooler on it. But I remember one of the problems you had with Arrival was you did not like um, – uh, who's the actor from Serious Man? Michael Stahlberg, who I like. I just didn't like him in there, yeah. Right. thought he was too kind of cookie-cutter, like he's the, the – structure just put in the way to, to make uh, the heroine right. look strong, yeah. Right, and – uh, did you not appreciate that this movie, one of the things I liked about this movie was that, um, and I would say right stuff and also Apollo 15 too, is these are stories where there's not really, I mean, I guess, and we can go into the supporting players um, like Corey Stahl. I guess you could say Corey Stahl's, um, his version of, uh, wait, who is he again? He's Buzz Aldrin. I guess you could he's say he's kind of, he's he's kind of a jerk, but I mean, he's not a villain. And I, I kind of liked that. There's really nobody in this movie that isn't trying to put their best foot forward. Everyone's trying to do the best they can to get this thing done. And I appreciate that about stories because I get really tired 
of seeing stories that are big, and then you have to have that one guy that's the jerk, and you're like, oh, really? Like, well, what? See, that's it, that's the nature of true of of biopic versus you know having creating a creating a drama. It's not contact where like uh, what's, what's his face? What yeah. uh, what's, what's his name? Um, Woods. Not yeah. James Woods is sitting there on the, like the, on the court, like saying you can't do I this, don't or, it. Yeah. or or Michael Stuhlbarg's coming in to be the yeah the stuffed shirt and and um, arrival. This is a movie that's a bit much like Apollo thirteen and the right stuff. They're all movies about people that are essentially the best at the thing that they're supposed to be doing, working exactly. together for the good of the thing. And yeah, there's ad, there's attitudes exchanged between them, but yeah, I mean, there's no there's right. not a, there's not a because there's no inherent villain to this kind of story. It's not a biopic about like a. It's not what is it? It's not walk the line where like he has a big tip with his step with his dad or anything like that. It's like no, this is just a bunch of scientists that are working on something. Well, but so yeah, did you did you appreciate that about the story that they did not just somehow make more characters more antagonistic than they needed to be? I guess that's my question. No, well, no, of course, to, to to go to the effort to write in a stock villain into the work <laughs> into the into this pro into this into the Apollo program would have been uh, you know that would have been above and beyond the worst. <laughs> Cut to the Russians, that. like, or something yeah. like that. <laughs> I, do that, I do think that in a strange way there is a villain or the implication of a villain that I don't think is justified because if we're talking about a movie that is about a bunch of scientists who are trying to do this very tricky thing that would be very cool to do and they pull it off, then it's really a story of joyful success uh and at the heart of this joyful success is this sort of muted character and i thought that the movie introduced this whole level of antipathy towards what's going on and uncertainty about about whether the things that were happening were good things or bad things but i don't know whether it was earned i don't know whether that sort of gloomy sense of dissonance is earned other than as a a, a projection of armstrong's viewpoint and even then, it doesn't it doesn't come down to something compelling to me. He's just sort of a strange guy who doesn't who doesn't really I don't know. I, just, I thought that there was a sense of like this this uh, you know this space race. We need to look at it askance now from 2018 because there were still these injustices going on in the world, and it was white guys doing their thing. And if you're going to make that movie, make that movie. But they didn't make that movie. But, no, they but, kind I, of I, made... but but there's I mean there's a way you can make this movie where it doesn't acknowledge the the kind of the context of the time. And I was happy that there was. The, and I don't I think it's longer than just a five. Minute sequence. I do think there's constant references to the things that are going on around them, not as a focal point for the film, because obviously, but I do think the film it gets where it exists in time without disregarding those things, which other movies certainly have. Right, but again, it's like again, these are not the even if we're thinking these are not the guys who are the problem. This is all the scientists and the astronauts. No, it's not. But it's a movie. Contract. It's it's a movie that's about Neil Armstrong, and so it's like it. How is it about him? And, you know, frankly, the period after the moon landing would have been more in- interesting as a character study of, of, of Armstrong, because then how did he go about going back to his normal life? And my, you know, my, honestly, my best thought about that was I wouldn't mind seeing another another movie that yeah, continues falling along his journey, like much like it's was called it? sequels. Yeah. <laughs> Investigated the Challenger. Firster uh, man. Do you know that? Neil Armstrong was brought in to investigate the Challenger disaster, which is interesting, you know. And I mean, if if this movie made more than sixteen million dollars this weekend, I'd be happy to see Chazelle be like, "I'm doubling down and getting Gosling back for another Neil Armstrong movie." Second Only man, Ar- Armstronger. Second man. That's, uh. No, that's the that's the Corey Stoll spinoff. Right. Or first person. First person. There it is. <laughs> first. Um, Get him out of there. I hear it just. I. I mean, it's not like we're either of us are going to change each other's minds on this thing. So it's yeah. like it, it's a matter of how the you know how you're subtextually taking the delivery of this thing. And I just I disagree yeah. as far as 
earning it, I guess. I will say, as far as making that, and I want to, we'll kind of get into more areas. I want, but as far as making this movie now, um, I could, I suppose there could be, you know, with in the subconscious, like a concept of why you'd want to develop the story and how you're choosing to tell it or whatnot. But as far as looking at Chazelle's filmography, which includes um, both Whiplash and La La Land, as well as Guy and Madeline on a park bench, which I recently saw for the first time with Anna, we watched his first film. I do think this fits right in it as far as it's telling a story about risk versus reward, as far as seeing characters that are willing to go above and beyond while putting other things in the background. And I think this movie just follows that through line as far as Chazelle's concerned. I I wouldn't be surprised if he wanted to make the movie just because he's always been interested in this in the same way that I assume most of us are just generally interested in space-based stuff because it's cool. Yeah. Um, the, the idea that you happen to be a storyteller that has the ability to, you know, put a bunch of actors and cameras together to make a, a very lavish uh, recreation of various events in our history. Just is there was the, never a movie about Neil Armstrong before. For I know. Yes. Yeah, it's, it's, it certainly would have been if it could have been. And I, and I think that's part of the challenge here as far as Chazelle's concerned, as far as there are different stories that, I mean, there's stories that have already been told that get to the same idea or things that reference moon landing and what is one way, but telling mm-hmm. a story specifically about Neil Armstrong what, like, like what you're saying, a person that has almost no kind of pop culture awareness outside of the thing that he did. I think you could take that as a challenge as far as how do I make that movie? And I enjoyed seeing how he put that together, which makes me want to go into the rest of this movie as piece up beyond Gosling. Uh, let me, let me ask this before I, we talk about the rest of this cast. Do you I'll ask Yancey first? Do you think Gosling, regardless of how much the film earns it, do you think he's doing a good job portraying Neil Armstrong? Everybody's good. Every, everybody, everybody was good. I thought everybody was good across the board. Okay. Well, um, let's talk about some of them. Cause so let's talk. Let's, yeah. let's get first to Claire Foy. since she's basically the co-star of the film and she plays, you know, Janet and his wife. Uh, what did you guys think of the kind of how they made that relationship work and how specifically she was able to handle it as an actress because of given the character, that, the role that she's given. It's dangerous think, now because she's yeah. now we're trading in the territory of Kathleen Quinlan did that same basically did the same thing well and Pamela Reed and whoever else in the right stuff. Now we have this stock character of the worried slash angry wife at home when her husband is an astronaut. I don't know how far beyond that they went, but she certainly did a good job with the part she was given. She's the ever-suffering wife role, and I thought she did great. I mean, I don't see any complaints about it. I think she was... I liked, I liked it, you know? Yeah, I thought she was... I thought she was really good. I mean, I thought that the movie did a good... Again, I haven't seen Apollo 13 write stuff in a while, because unfortunately, so I don't remember, but, like, I think the movie did a good enough job of... I think Foy, the actress, and the way the character's written does a good enough job of like giving her her own internal life I know outside of, of course the bigger one, which is obviously being worried and freaked out about, you know, the man that she loves and everything, but she, they give her enough stuff that I felt she has, you know, little journeys and everything, but yeah, I thought she was like terrific and yeah, yeah, yeah. I thought, I mean, but honestly also I thought everyone was really good. We'll, we'll get there. I just mm-hmm. want to say real quick. I do think, I th- this was probably the most worrisome part I had for this movie as far as how are we going to incorporate a character that's basically going to be given the task of saying, no, Neil, like that's kind of like what the role is going to amount to. <laughs> and it's like, no, I-, I think she did a good job. I think the film, both as far as the writing of the character, as far as Claire Foy's performance, it does well to not kind of, there's a lot to do with, with little that's there. I guess is the best way to put it. Yeah, um, true. They didn't, they didn't I mean, make her like a naggy wife or anything. Like no, that. like there's no, really there's, her... yeah, there's no reason to be, especially because you're watching Gosling the whole time being so stoic. It's like, 
well, yeah, that's the reaction you're going to have. <laughs> if like your partner yeah. is being kind of a nothing at home, you need to act a certain way. But I think there is a way to put it either more over the top or just push it more to the side. And I think there's just enough of her, which again is why I think the very last shot of this movie is so affecting. I was mm-hmm. so the last I, shot is good. I was last shot is good. I was very into that end point for this. Oh, film. that is a good last shot. Yeah, I, I, I thought it was a great last shot. So yeah, I was. Uh, but yeah, so we have the rest of this cast. We mentioned Corey Stoll already, who plays like the. I should mention this, by the way. I think I mentioned this before on the podcast. I'm a huge fan of, like, NASA space stuff from the 60s and 70s. Like, I and I guess 50s, for that matter, as far as developing these things. But, like, I, I've read a lot about that. When I was younger, I was really into it, especially, you know, when it wasn't dinosaurs. It was space stuff. So it's like, I know a lot about these things just because I've read a ton about, like, all of these people. And it's like seeing buzz like buzz aldrin obviously is the more outgoing between yeah. the two of them and it's like seeing Corey still play him is this kind of like obnoxious blowhard in like the most respectful of ways that's fun yeah that's that's fun to see like that take on that performance brian neil if it does turn out you'll go down in history what kind of thoughts do you have about that when the thought hits you uh gosh suppose that flight successful we're planning on that flight being successful uh i i just meant how you feel about being a part of history. I think I can shed some light here. It's a responsibility, but it's exciting to be the first. Even my wife is excited. She keeps slipping jewelry into my PPK. <laughs> You're planning on taking some of her jewelry to the moon, Buzz? Sure. What, what fella wouldn't want to give his wife bragging rights? <laughs> Neil, will you take anything? Uh, if I had a choice, I'd take more fuel. But you know, there's a lot of, like, Jason Clark is in here as Ed White, where... He's wonderful. It is, he is wonderful, and the whole time I'm thinking, oh, this is not going to go well. <laughs> like, I'm just going to... Yeah. I'm, I'm way too attached to how, how natural he's playing this guy as a good person to be like, uh, but I know yeah. where this is going, and it's so sad. <laughs> so it's like, there was that, that scene when they were walking through the neighborhood, um, Neil and um, Jason Clark, and I was just like, wow. That was, one, it was very good. They were talking about the swing set. Mm-hmm. And well, little astronaut say from neighborhood that was cool yeah 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 that was real cool that I was like, a good thing I like seeing Lucas Haas like more and more because he's slowly growing out of not looking like that the little was kid Lucas from Haas. yeah he's he's slowly not looking like yeah. the little kid from Witness anymore like he's had <laughs> he has he's he's had like uh, DiCaprio syndrome where he's looked like a child like for a lot of his career oh. the guy's forty two <laughs> it's like he's just now kind of getting out of it um, same thing with Patrick Fugit Patrick like, Fugit oh. yeah he looks like an adult in this movie. <laughs> so. But Ethan Embry looks like Ethan Embry is in there. Yeah, yeah. Like, I wanted more of him. What do we think of uh, Pablo's? Um, oh, is Jim as Jim Lovell? Yeah, you know him or, or Tom Hanks. Who are you gonna pick? Well, like that looks more like Jim Lovell. So like, yeah, yeah that's, that's why you got Pablo Schreiber. <laughs> so, yeah, <laughs> and um, what's his name? Uh, Shea Wiggum is Gus Grissom. That was probably the most far out <sighs> casting choice. I'm like, that's not yeah. Gus Grissom, but it's Shea Wiggum, so I'm happy about that. <laughs> so, How do you think about Kyle Chandler, or as I called him? NASA dad. <laughs> uh, he, I guess he's, he's, probably, he's probably the most, like, one of the most significant supporting players because you just see it. Like, I like how the the cast floats in and out of this movie. I, I'm talking mm-hmm. a lot. What do you guys think of some of these people? I'm just feeding the names. Um, I I think everybody did a very serviceable job. I think um, Jason Clark, Ryan Gosling, Claire Foy are the real standouts. Yeah. Um, I think other than that, um, you know, I... Corey Stoll as Buzz Aldrin was a lot of fun to watch because it's so cool seeing two different, such different personalities kind of 
land on the moon together and run that mission. I thought that was great. Especially if you're going to um, go to the moon, it's like, okay, we need a little bit more pull than just Neil Armstrong looking yeah. sad the whole time. So it's a good thing Buzz is here to lighten things <laughs> up a bit. And I just kept thinking about the Buzz Aldrin and Cameo and the Simpsons. Like, oh yeah, second man. I just, I just kept thinking about that. I'm like, he's going to be on the Simpsons soon. This is going to be really exciting. Um, and it was, it was, I don't know. I think the cast was, I think it was well casted. I think a lot of it was, uh, all these actors just really want to work with Damien after the success of his past two major films. You know, he got and a blank it, check and he got all these actors. And you get a chance to be in like a project like this. He's like, yeah, yeah right. All right. Yeah. Like Kyle Chandler always does movie. this. Kyle Chandler was like, yeah, sure. I'll be another real life person in a, a, a situation room scenario. Why, why not? Like, it's fine. Whatever. Zero Dark Moon. Let's do it. Yeah. Yeah, that's yeah. true. I was like, didn't he just do this in Zero Dark 3? <laughs> yeah. yeah, that was six years ago. He also did the same thing in The Kingdom. Yeah. yeah. Oh, right. He, yeah. yeah. Oh, he's the one that dies. He's the one that gets blown up. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that's right. He's the he's the inciting. I call him the inciting incident in that movie. Okay. Once he goes, Jennifer Garner's coming for you. Uh, speaking, um, speaking of things that get yeah. blown up, let's talk about some of the kind of work to make these things come back to life as far as seeing recreations of these things. I mean, we get we get a number of notable missions. We also get some cool, like, jet stuff. Um, Cinematography-wise, we have um, uh, Linus Sandgren here. What did you guys think of kind of the depiction of the various things? We get some shaky cam stuff with some of the Gemini missions. We get, you know, obviously the lunar sequence. What did you guys think of kind of the look of seeing space stuff recreated? I, thought oh. I, I saw it on IMAX. Did we all see IMAX? No. no, I didn't see IMAX. I saw some standard. Peter and I saw it IMAX. Got it. The IMAX whoa, whoa, really whoa. great. I mean, it looked... I mean, that moment at the end is amazing. Um, but, yeah, yeah. The, the big, you know, getting on the moon, just the way it's presented, it's, it's so fantastic. But, I mean, also, it, it's interesting because Giselle is so intimate and stuff that he is able to use, you're right, a lot of the, the shaky cam and the sound design to make everything feel so interior, uh, especially which works so well because you are talking about these people in these super confined spaces, you know, and it just, it really gives you that sense of like, I guess kind of like a claustrophobia or something, mm-hmm. um, but, in a, but in a very effective way. Um, I mean, first, in fact, I'm, as I recall in the beginning, that whole opening do we really, until maybe at the end, do we have any, like, exterior shot? It's almost like so much of it is just we see Ryan Gosling and then we see his kind of the two windows that he can kind of look out at and see if he's... Oh, we get, a, we get a view of, like, the wing and the thruster on the wing. Right. So we have a general idea, but no, not really. You don't really see it until he lands and you're like... Yeah. It's really, Ooh. it's really only like the Apollo Eleven flight is the only one we get like a broader perspective of. For the most part, it's pretty first person, um, mm-hmm. which I thought was an effective way to again do it. Especially what I like a lot about the cinematography and just like the setup for these things and the editing for that matter. Like just, I mean, we can talk. Yeah, see, we can disagree on I think the kind of emotional connection to the character, but I think the if you want to talk about earning it, I do think that the, the, the build-up to the actual moon mission, I think, is incredibly well done as far as what we've seen beforehand to how we actually see that mission, how it expands the scope in a, the most tr- tremendous fashion possible as far as seeing the, the missile lift off and seeing that perspective from inside and seeing it get to the moon and then obviously seeing the moon itself. Would you would you agree with that? Yeah, again, technically, he's proven himself. It's, it's similar to the drumming, the way he used drumming to his advantage in Whiplash. He uses 
you know, the sounds and the rushing and the metal and the stuff to, 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 to the advantage of his uh, filmmaking skills uh, very well. It's very technically well made. All those set pieces are really good. The actual moon landing is really well staged. The moment where he says his famous line about one small step for man is very well staged. You know, that, that's all really great. I'm assuming, I guess my problems are more on the script level, I guess, in the end. The guy who wrote Spotlight, right? Yeah, Josh Singer. Is it? All right. You loved. You love Spotlight. I like Spotlight, yeah. Um, but yeah. Like, How about the uh, the music? I, I love a good, good th- score, I love right? I love a good theremin, and I thought I was like, mm. this is cool. I was good into this. Score. I think there's. You want to talk about the kind of, I guess, sentimentality or you know, choices to go rah rah in some of these movies, which I think is kind of inevitable when you're talking about American yeah. space mission movies. It's like I don't think it's necessarily championing something, which is not necessarily a bad thing, depending on how you do it. But at the same time. You can't really avoid <laughs> certain aspects of these things, especially when there's no reason to avoid them. But I I like the choices made from a, a, a music standpoint as far as it's going big in a way that's not expected. Um, and I really like that. I think there's some really key moments where the score kicks in and I was just at a loss of how to like accept that Hurwitz went this direction with it as opposed to something that seems more traditional. Well, I think you just got to the point of the heart of what what I've been think, trying to say. I think we live in an era where championing anything, anything like this is going to be considered suspect. So if you're going to make a movie about Apollo, the Apollo mission and, and, and Armstrong, that's not really about championing the uh, achievement, then you've got to decide what it's about. I don't think they did. I think they just muted down the feelings of joy and, and, and humor that would normally be there in such a... I mean, who who in the world doesn't hear the story of going to the moon and think, well, that's pretty cool that my species did that. That's pretty good. Considering what else we've done, that's not a bad thing. It just seems like they didn't because you can't champion that. You got to go dark and, 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 and make the whole thing about something else. And I don't think he did that either. Hence my ambivalence. Well, I, I mean, I don't think it's I think it's a mix of like we've seen those versions of those movies, regardless of which space mission we're specifically addressing, but also well, yeah, one, yes, uh, age does come into it as far as how this filmmaker is choosing to, uh, you know, approximate something compared to others. But there's just the inherent value of knowing this happened and seeing it where I don't necessarily need a bigger stamp on the idea of seeing Man on the Moon. I, I, I like but this movie. seeing it, would, would, you would have been, the, 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 the palpable feeling that night, I'm sure, if, you, if, any, of, if any of us had been alive, would have been excitement. Sure, but, I, but again, I, but as, I, as, as I said, though, I do think that the... From a film, as far as like the filmmaking style goes, it achieves that because I like. I mean, it goes from you know being so grainy and down to earth and having this kind of Malick approach to the family scenes and this kind of down the middle approach to seeing all the different NASA stuff to getting this much more expansive scope. By the time we see the Apollo Eleven mission and seeing you know the rocket lift off and everything, I, I for me, I mean personally, like I I did feel that kind of sense of emotional triumph of seeing like it's all built up to this moment, mm-hmm. and now I'm getting an extended sequence where there's very little dialogue, and it's very focused on watching a rocket take off in the middle of the night, and what and then seeing the just the whole damn screen open up to see this glorious moon sequence. Like I right. I felt I felt that kind of I can't say I can replicate a, the feeling that some people had in the six sixty nine watching people go on the moon for the first time, but as far as sitting in the theater and watching this happen. I was riveted, which we've said earlier, as far as describing this this movie. Yeah, I mean, like, it's very interesting because I I see where Yancey's coming from. And it's interesting. One of the things that Yancey and I often discuss, um, and I think Aaron, uh, too, is the notion of, like, um, what kind of quality or 
reverence we put on movies that clearly have a filmmaker's view. And all three of Chazelle's films clearly have a point of view. And it's interesting, of course, because, yes, I would say Apollo 13, from my recollection, is Ron Howard's best film. And Ron Howard, one of his strengths, strangely, is that he's not really an auteur. He's just a very good... He's a journeyman. He's a journeyman. He's just a good filmmaker. And he, you're not really watching his movies going, oh, this is... I feel the mentality of it. It's like, no, not really. But it's interesting because, Yancey, um, it's interesting to me because I really feel like the point of view of, of Chazelle is so prevalent, regardless of whether what we're talking about, what you can and can't do in 2018, the, the mentality of, of, of how he sees someone like Neil Armstrong and how he connects that with the kind of characters that he's interested in, people who are very obsessed, people who can't let things go, even to the detriment of their relationships and even their craft and stuff, or it's all about their craft. I think that's so strong in, in First Man. And so for me, you can't credit him with making Neil Armstrong a terse person in real life. Well, 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 look, all we know about Neil Armstrong is that he has been supposedly very private persons, but I, he, I mean, he doesn't come supposedly. across. This is we know about Neil Armstrong. Well, but wait, but wait, but I don't think Neil Armstrong comes across as he's not like a he's not like Miles Teller in Whiplash. He's not he's not so combative that he's just that he is an asshole. He's oh. he's just very full. so. I think it works pretty well. I mean, we're we're really in his head. I I feel you know. I think that the, the the benefit you had was going in not giving a shit about any of it, and that's I mean, why you like. But I mean, I gave a shit about it. Like I, I you're not. I, I, I'm a good study of Neil Armstrong as far as that. You know, not that I knew him personally, but at the same time, he's like I know enough about the kind of person that he supposedly was or what have you to be like. All right, so this is what this movie has to do. And I mean, I, we talked about like the trailers before for this movie. I mean, Peter, obviously, you were just kind of like oh, whatever, and I can agree that especially now that I've seen the movie, yeah, there's not, you can't really play up a showiness to this movie because there's not really a showiness to it. There's a showiness to, it's more about the buildup, like I've said. And you know, so watching, watching me have to like see a movie about this guy. Yeah. I, I didn't find it difficult to have to connect myself to a person I was already aware was going to be hard to connect with because everyone had a hard time connecting with him. And so I guess I, I just, I was into appreciating Chazelle's methods of getting us into his head and into the kind of atmosphere we need to be in in order to accept that Ryan Gosling's going to be this, you know, disconnected from everything around him. Oh, I, I, I buy that. Also, I have to say, um, if we can somewhat, not I'm not going to do a spoiler for this, but there are, I said this earlier. When, there the, are, when the aliens show up, you don't want to spoil that part. Right, right. There are Transformers, you mean? Transformers? Yeah, they're there. Yeah, it's the, yeah there are, they, they get that. There same. are a lot of movies that are based on reality or science fiction where you have a central character, usually male, but not always because Arrival and Contact is the female lead. And there's usually some weird connection with like fathers and daughters or something like that. And I got to say, Near the end of the movie, I'm not going to say what happens. There is something that Neil does that is very much connected to the loss of his daughter. And I thought that was really touching. I did not think that that was um, uh, Chazelle holding his emotions back. It's a very emotional scene. And I, I very much teared up. That's not a dry scene. That's a very the, – the, the cynic in me could be like, ah, that's kind of cheesy. But, like, no, I – I thought that was very effective. A movie that I think um, Yancey and I are not huge fans of, even though I think it's better than Yancey says, is Interstellar. 
It's another movie that's Nolan, kind of a cold film, or another thing about fathers and daughters. But I got to say here, everything about the loss of his daughter, and that's not a spoiler because she dies in the beginning of the movie. Like, I think that's all pretty effective. I mean, Yanti, are you saying that's not, it's not warm enough? I mean, I feel like we feel the loss and we feel how important that this this child was to him. I don't yeah. think that's, I don't think that's a cold or anything. At least not to me. I, just to say real quick before Yancy talks, I, I do lump that into it all earns it as far as building up to that moment. I, I do think mm-hmm. that, that falls in it for me. And that, of course, moment is not. We don't know if that really happened. That he never said that he did. Oh, that. sure, you're right. We don't. I mean, you're you're right, but I don't care. It's a that. good through line for the for the sake of the film, I would say. But yes, true. But I'm saying if he was if if he was able to do that to give us a moment that was. And I believe he might have done that. It's, he had a few minutes where no one knew what he was doing on the moon, and that would make sense oh. to do that as a father who lost his... Well, you know what I'm saying. Oh. There wasn't enough of that in the rest of the movie of giving us a portrait of who Armstrong was. Yes, we understand he was not a glory hound. Yes, we understand he was kind of terse, kept close to the vest. But there are ways of showing that and making it compelling that I don't think Chazelle did here. I think he relied too much on what Gosling usually has, which is his... Ability to sort of simmer without doing too much showy work. We'll express but with I his just face in, without dialogue. Yeah. yeah, I just thought in this case... You mean case, acting? <laughs> I just didn't think that they made enough of a choice. I guess they must have been involved with the Armstrong family a little bit, maybe. Maybe they had those sort of authorized bio. But if he wanted to make a darker or more ambiguous statement about what this all meant, I felt like he held himself back from actually making it. But I don't, think, I don't think he was trying to make an ambiguous mm-hmm. statement to it. I think it's very clear what it's what he's trying to show here. Like every flashback with Ryan, with uh, Neil Armstrong and his daughter, he's either touching her or holding her in some way where he's showing her affection. And you never really see that with his kids until that dinner scene at the end before he leaves. You kind of show how important that daughter and how close he was to that family before she died. And then after, it changed him. And then you see how much it meant to him. And it's a movie about not being able to let things go until he accomplishes the mission and let it go. It was symbolic. I thought it was great. I just hope it really happened. Because if it didn't happen, I don't like that very much. <laughs> oh, I'm fine with that. I mean, it's look, it's, a, it's, a, it's not a documentary movie. It's fine. I, I'm, I mean. You're I, saying they didn't go on the moon? That's a whole other conversation. Yeah. <laughs> remember, remember when we'll Sid Vicious know. drove yeah, off in the car at the him. end of. Uh... <laughs> yes, that's. Um, wait, so Yancy, you are saying you still recommend it? Yes. Okay. Well, wait. Just curious. So you would you do you think it's Giselle's best film? Because you're not a huge fan of the first two or second. I think I still like Whiplash the best. Oh, okay. All right. What about you guys? <laughs> They're all about the um, same to me for different reasons, honestly. Yeah. Uh, I, I, yeah. I rewatched Whiplash the other day, and I have a whole new take on it that I was very happy with. As far as oh, this is what this is what I think of this movie now. Um, I still like I like it the same. I just like I I thought about the ending a lot more and what it meant to me. La La Land obviously is very different from these, um, and this one is different from those. But again, I do think there's a thematic through line that connects all of them. Which I, and I like Guy and Madeline as well. I don't think I like it as much. It's it's clearly like this is my first film. Hey. Um, but, but, um, no, I, I think of these three, I, I'm just excited about Chazelle. Honestly, I think he's a, a terrific filmmaker, uh, regardless of, I mean, this is his first film that he didn't write. Um, but I, I look forward to seeing more of what he does. Cause I do think he, from, on a technical level, he, he seems to arm himself with all the right people to just make films mm-hmm. that really engage me. 
for different reasons. I have, I have Madeline, huh? Interesting. That's the, those are the characters from Browser Shaborg again, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Ooh. I uh, I have an emotional sentimentality towards La La Land. Uh, I like Whiplash, and I enjoyed this. I think Whiplash is my least favorite, only because I don't care about jazz. But um, I care about jazz either. I know. I'm, I, you know what? You can tell he didn't write this movie because there's no jazz references. <laughs> so you know what. I mean, um, they were NASA scientists making it up as they go, so, I mean, that's that's the jazz of life, baby. <laughs> yeah. I mean, in the last movie, Ryan Gosling saved jazz, and this one, he saved the earth. He saves the so earth. Yeah. Yeah. He's the Bruce Willis of his time. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the John McClane of jazz. Peter, what do you think? Where, where are you at? I love it. I think it's one of my favorite movies of the year. I think when I left the theater, I thought it was the best. No, but movie. answer your damn question. What do you think compared to his other movies? Yeah. Oh, 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 oh sorry. Um, yeah, I, I, I remember texting Yancey and saying, I thought this was next level. I thought that, I thought Whiplash is, Whiplash is terrific. I like La La Land, but you know, I never had a desire to go back. Um, but no, I think this is his best thing. I, I think it's for sure. It's the best one. Right. Although I have not seen his first film, to be fair. I'm, uh, that is, that movie is like a, it's like a dry run to La La Land. Like there's a lot in common with it, but it, it's. It's got this cool verite style too, because it's like shot black and white. It it's kind of it's like a musical, but it's very it's gritty, um, for lack of a better word. Like it's neat. It's a neat watch for sure. It's uh you can stream it. Not uh, for you have to like rent it. Um, but, uh, any other things on a first man? Want to talk about before we move on? I think we've talked a lot about it. Yeah. Nope. Um... All right. Let's move on. Let's. Uh, let, where, when should people go and see this movie? I would say IMAX. I think the IMAX experience yeah, of this movie too. is pretty terrific. Alan, how about you? Uh, I didn't see it in IMAX, but I I would I always recommend things in IMAX. So go see it in IMAX. <laughs> uh, uh, Yancy? Yeah, it's only a big screen movie. All right. Well, cool. Let's uh, let's. All right. Well, let's do this now. Let's let's move into our uh, our game segment here. Yes. It has, of course, the improv theme for games. Uh, which I did submit to Justin Hurwitz. He rejected it, um, which is unfortunate because I think that would fit right in um, in the scene. He's right such here. a Justin Borowitz. Yep, that's that's what I call him now. Mm-hmm. Thank you, Alan. You're welcome. <laughs> but uh, I have a game for you guys this week. It's called Space Race. Race, race, race. Mm-hmm. This is one of those games where I created the title first and made a game backwards, but it's going to work out because I think this is a fun game. I have a list of movies here, and I'm going to read a lot of things. I'm going to read... Um, I can either go into taglines for these movies or I can go into accolades they received or some other facts. So I'm just going to kind of go through these. If you think you know what movie I'm referring to or you think you know the answer to the question about the movie I'm referring to, uh, feel free to say your name first and then the answer. Are they related to space race? All of these movies are related to space. Oh, okay. Yeah. Uh, some fictional, some biographies. So here, like, the first one has to do with Apollo 13. So here we go. Which actors were nominated for Oscars for Apollo 13? Alan. Alan. Tom Hanks. And... Uh, is Kathleen Quinlan, I think? Am I wrong? Incorrect. Yancey. Yancey. I think it's Tom Hanks, Kathleen Quinlan, and Harris, right? Incorrect. I thought Ooh. Peter. Peter? I thought it was Tom Hanks, and for some reason I keep thinking Kevin Bacon. Peter's like the worst of this because all of those are wrong. Um, Tom Hanks was not nominated. Only Kathleen Quinlan wow. and Ed Harris were nominated for ah. Academy Awards in this movie. 
<laughs> Kevin Bacon. Because Hanks had won the two years before. He won the so, two years yeah. before. Uh, he didn't get a nom. Yeah, he didn't get a nom. Whatever. Uh, Whatever. Or, sorry, what uh, what Oscars do you think it won for? Effects. Oh. Uh, I know sound one of design. them. I'm going to go editing. It won sound and editing. I remember that one. Didn't win Vex. Uh, it's 95. What else is 95 that is big? Probably like Batman Forever. So. <laughs> Waterworld? No, it wasn't Waterworld. <laughs> that. So. All right, here's the next one. Um, Armageddon was nominated for four Oscars. What Oscars was Armageddon nominated for? Oh, Peter. Peter. Well, wait, I guess I don't know all of them, but I'm pretty, sure that, <laughs> I'm pretty sure that Aerosmith song got nominated. So um, I would say best song, probably effects, sound design. That's, what I think. That's three. Name one more right. and you might get this. Oh, all right. Um, God, what, it can't be screenplay or anything. Uh, sound design, editing? You come so close. Let's go. Who else has an answer? <laughs> I do. Okay, let's go through it. He's uh, this is Alan, by the way. So he said, "Sound, um, effects, mm-hmm. and the song, mm-hmm. uh, and editing is close." But I'm going to say sound editing. Sound editing is the right answer. Oh! The, the two Stop. sound awards, not just one sound award. Yeah. yeah. Right. Yeah. The tagline, by the way, is "Earth." It was fun while it lasted. That's a good tagline. It's it's not bad. All right. Uh, Mission to Mars was not nominated for any Oscars, but it did get another key nomination in another uh, ceremony. What do you think that was and what nomination? Yancey. Yancey. It was probably a best, a worst director, Brian De Palma for the Razzies. That is correct. Razzie. Woo, 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 woo. Probably not deserved. I just realized I got to write some of these down here. None of you got the Apollo 13, right? So that's my point. Uh, but yeah, Yancey, you got that one. Here's the next one. Uh, the Martian was up for seven Oscars. I'm not going to ask you to name those, but what two Golden Globes did it win? One of them shoots. Peter. Peter? Uh, it won Best Comedy, because I remember that was a big controversy. Couldn't believe it won Well, yeah, And all those deleted musical numbers on the Blu-ray that are really cool. Right. But what's the other one? Um, Golden Globes. It won Best Comedy. It's not Damon. Um, is it... Uh, director? I can't believe it would have been really sure. Director, you you were wrong a while ago. I just wanted to see where you would go with that. Uh, Sorry, either of you. <laughs> um, Yancey, I would say best comedy and best actor in a comedy. That is correct. Matt Damon, Matt Damon won best actor. Ah, all right. In a comedy. It well, is it's a, a funny movie. It, it is a comedic performance. I mean, like it's yeah, yeah. no, I, 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 yeah. There's some I, you could argue category from, but I don't. I mean, people didn't walk into the Martian and walk out of it thinking, "Man, that was a great drama." <laughs> like they didn't. <laughs> like I was really sad throughout that movie. That's not what they were saying. <laughs> All right. It's just it's strictly his love of '70s music. That's why, or like the disco scene. That's what got him the comedy. Yeah, you're right. Okay, here's the yeah, first one. It. Here's the first one. We have to guess the movie. Um, this this film related to space was nominated for worst remake at the Razzies. When? I'll that, say between yeah. between the '80s and 2000. Worst remake. I think the Razzie, the Razzie started in the eighties too, so that doesn't give yeah. you too much of a thing. But... I'll tell you the tagline in a second if you guys can't think of it. Oh, oh, um, Alan. Alan. Lost in space. It is lost in space. Oh, oh nice. That's a commentary good. that is now available on iTunes. 
The taglines get lost, by the way. Um, and I did. This uh, this film um, had an eighty million budget and grossed sixteen million worldwide. Ooh. Huge oh. bomb. What year? Between the between the ni- between nineteen ninety and two thousand ten. Oh, that's all you're going to give us? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes. Uh, it's somewhere in the middle. I'll say that of that time span. Alan. Yep. Red Planet. Red Planet is the correct answer. Are you kidding me? Mm-hmm. This is great. Yeah. I was going to guess that too, to be honest. It's not bad, right? Huge yeah. bomb. Yeah. Uh, I wrote some some th- the tagline is the color of fear, which I thought was pretty funny. <laughs> and um, and I what and I like Red Planet actually. I like I think it's a fun like B movie. Like if like it becomes like a horror movie, and I was like, yeah, that's fine. I like Val Kilmer. That's fun enough. Didn't this come out the same year as Mission to Mars and like Ghost yeah. of Mars? It came out this. Yeah, they're all around the same time, and they all yeah. bombed. They all did terribly. Yeah, I was, I, it was one of those three, man. And it's those three movies why they just called it John Carter, which obviously worked for that film. Oh so. yeah. <laughs> John Carter, not part of this film. That's why I didn't. <laughs> I didn't mention it. Um, let's see. This classic film won one Oscar. What is that Oscar? Uh, Alan. Yeah. Star Wars: New Hope. Incorrect. Let me name that film. Um, <laughs> I don't know if I should name the film. I think that would make the question too easy. Um, oh. This very notable sci-fi film that's many regarded as one of the best films of all time won only one Oscar. It was nominated well, for three Oscars. Three well, other, three, it's got a, three other Oscars. Sorry. Is it 2001? It is. And what's wow. the Oscar? It won a must have won visual effects. It won visual effects. Stanley Kubrick won for visual effects. Yeah. Oh. That's, that's why they're still so freaking good. Those are very convincing still because Kubrick did them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, in his garage <laughs> probably. Great. Yeah. yeah, they still look great. Yeah, they still look great. Like Nolan right. when he built the tumbler in his garage. Yeah. Anyway. Uh, the right stuff won four Oscars. What were those Oscars? Jesus, these are hard. Um, I just like that all these space movies were up for Oscars, so I guess I'm yeah. on to base a gamer on that. One four Oscars? Yeah. And the Oscars a race and space race. It all fit my title. I'm happy with it. Don't judge me. I mean, I, Yancey, I would guess, again, uh, visual effects, sound, sound effects, editing, and then maybe adapted screenplay? You're close. <laughs> Incorrect. Yeah. I didn't think I was going to get it. Um... I think like Tron won like the 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 effects award that like a special award or something for that year. Oh really? Yeah. I think so. So I don't think there was like an official visual effects. Star Trek Three probably won. Maybe. So so let me talk this out. Let me just say, Alan. Let me let me just go this out. I know it didn't win. I know it didn't win picture director. I don't think it won any acting awards. No, but Um, uh, Sam Shepard was nominated. Okay. Um, because he plays Chuck Yeager, one of the coolest guys around. <laughs> let's do let's do editing. Yeah. Let's do special effects. Um, music, and I have no idea what the other one could be. You, you have, yeah, music <laughs> is one of them. Yeah, I remember that one. I um, it. I'll just get into it because Peter's not going to get it. He's going to give me some okay. crazy answer like Gus Grissom. <laughs> or um, sound, sound effects, music, and editing. Fuck. Are the, uh, uh, are the all right. Is it crazy that Chuck Yeager's still alive and Sam Shepard isn't? Isn't that wild? That's crazy. Whoa. Chuck Yeager's still alive? Yeah, he's 95 years old. Shit. Still killing it, probably. Still up in the air right now. Just like breaking sound barriers or something. All right. Uh, the tagline for this movie is Evil Gets an Upgrade. Alan. Is, the answer is not upgrade. Alan. Yes. Event Horizon? It is not Event Horizon. Good guess, though. 
Yancy. Oh, man. Yancy? Wait, no, it's not. It can't be virus. Is it virus? It's not virus. Where's the space in that movie? Don't they come from space, those robots? They're not. I mean, I, if you notice in this movie, I've tried to choose the movies that are have a lot of space in them, but also have Earth involved. I uh, know. That's why I almost didn't guess the, virus. But, yeah. Yeah. It's not virus. You're on the right track. I'll say that. Uh, I'll, I'll mention this as well. A notable Canadian director has a cameo in this film. Jason X. Oh, fuck. It is Jason X. Cronenberg gets a machete in the back. Oh, yeah. I forgot about the Cronenberg. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Two more. Um, this film won seven Oscars, including cinematography, the first of three cinematography wins in a row for this cinematographer. Peter. Peter? Wait, so do you want me to name the cinematographer or yes. the movie? The, yeah, both, I guess. Would be good. The movie's Gravity and the cinematographer is uh, Emmanuel Le- Lebinsky or something like that? Lebinsky, yeah. Chiva, Lebe- as we all call it. Fair him. enough. Yeah. I'll give it to him. <laughs> yeah, Alan, it gets the Alan Seal approval. Yeah. But yes, it is Gravity and it is... Lubeski. All right, last one. Um, this space adventure features two stars of two huge YA franchises. Wait, so Alan. Yeah, Alan. Passengers. Passengers. It is not. It is not passengers. But I would. I would like you to name me the huge YA novel that Chris Pratt's the star of. Because <laughs> you see, when I said it, um, I realized I messed up. Mm-hmm. I was like, oh, I just, you know, whatever. I, there was a novelization of Guardians of the Galaxy. <laughs> It's a YA, so they're both stars from YA. It's a space, huh? What year? Oh, mother! Two thousand five, I want to say. Yeah, two thousand five. Uh, this is before Jennifer Lawrence and all that stuff. Okay. Yeah. Who would be? I would say both of these stars appeared in these YA franchises. I'm thinking of after this movie. Oh. Oh. Uh, so they're like that. So they're the older character. They're like the Woody Harrelson characters. No, like. not necessarily. Well, I mean... Five years. He's a five years. Well, in Hollywood, five years turns you from, you know, ingenue to a grandmother. Yeah. <laughs> you never know. I'll just say it right now. These two... Should I just name the stars? Would you get the movie? Give us another hint. Give us another hint. Uh, the, the tagline is, Adventure is Waiting. Um, it is a... It is in the same universe as another f- film from this book series. Um, one set in the jungle. Or jungle has jungle stuff in it going on. Zathura? Zathura is the movie. Oh. oh. Who's in Zathura? I'll just know. Uh, Josh Hutcherson and Kristen Stewart are both in Zathura. Oh, nice. Oh. That's just, crazy. Zathura, still the best film in the Jumanji series. Wait, you know like Jumanji, the new one? New I like great. it, but I, I think Zathura is still the best movie of all these. It's a really good movie. Alright, I really like it. Okay. I, 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 like Juman- I like that Jumanji also. All right, um, let's see who won this. Let's see. Not me. It's not, me. It's not Peter. Man. I know that. We can say that right now. <laughs> yeah, you got one. You got that gravity one. So. I did. I got that. Oh, it's a tie. It's a tie between oh. Yancey and Alan, which means I have to have a tiebreaker question. Oh shit! Here we go. Oh man, I don't like the stress. Here we go. Unneeded stress. Being yeah, you can just have it, Alan. Nope, nope. Like that's not. That's not how we do it around here. Here we go. Oh, All right, uh, let's do an over under game here. Who can tell me how much worldwide Apollo 13 grossed at the box office? Uh, worldwide. Whoever's what year did it come out in? 95. Worldwide? Yeah. Uh, 313. I don't know. Oh, I'm out of it. You're out of it. You can't guess. Yeah. <laughs> Forget what um, I said. Well, it wasn't a bomb. Worldwide. Big. 
Babe won best visual effects. And uh... really? Wait, no, that's '96. Um... What's '95? <laughs> Not heat. It's not Forrest Gump because that's the year before. What's in between those? <laughs> Braveheart. Oh, it is Babe. Never mind. It is Babe. Yeah. Independence oh. Day was the, le- the year later. Okay. Oh, so number for Apollo thirteen. Apollo thirteen. Yes. I'll say three twenty-five. Three twenty-five. Okay, Gancy. I will say four twenty-five. And I gotta add. No, it's still it's still Alan. It's a uh, three fifty-five was the total. Oh. Hefty uh, domestic one seventy-three four and one eighty-one. It's a big hit. Yeah. Yeah. I remember, my dad made me see it twice in the theater. That was a big thing for me. I was like, you want to see a movie again? Yeah, I saw oh. Apollo 13 like five times in the theater. I love seeing that movie. I mean, yeah, I saw Independence Day like 12 times in the theater because, you know. Third of that year behind Toy Story and Batman Forever, the box office. I mean, it was a big one. It was a big one. Yeah, take that, Pocahontas. Uh, anyway, that was Space Race. Good game, guys. Congratulations, Damn. Alan. Thanks, man. Yeah, Good job, Yancey. Thanks. No, wait, no, no I'm going to do it like... Um, like like Neil Armstrong. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, thanks for showing up, Peter. Uh, let's move on. <laughs> uh, let's get to our let's get to our feedback. Feedback, feedback, feedback. Thank you, Alan. This is where we go over the various questions and answers on our Facebook page, facebook.com slash out now podcast. We go over the number of questions uh, that we asked on the Facebook page, and we go over the listeners' responses to those things. But before we do all that, let's get to our poll question for this week. Each week on Out Now, we do do a poll where we put two movies against each other, and you have to vote for the one to save, um, which is what the listeners very much did. This is our one of our most voted in polls, by the way, too. The This is an astronaut edition. Uh, and I put, that was a good one. And I put Gravity against The Martian. So the idea here is that vote for one to save it, and the other one, if you if the one that loses this battle, gets erased from existence. So history changes. So with all that in mind, before we get to the listeners' response, you know, totals here, what would you guys choose to save, Gravity or The Martian? Gravity. No question. Peter says Gravity. Yeah, of course. I mean, I like Martian, but give me a break. Like, of course. Um, yeah, see where you're at. Uh, I like them both a lot, but yeah, I'd pick Gravity. I want to pick The Martian. What? Yeah. Sorry, Pete. Uh, yeah, I love I love Gravity. I mean, yeah, that's like a perfect movie. Uh, I mean, I, if he hadn't made Children of Men, I mean, like it's amazing that guy made so many great movies. Oh, he's not dead. Yet, yeah, we'll see. and we'll I'm see. just like yeah. Ridley Scott hasn't really made a good one in a while, so I'll give him one from the past decade. Yeah, we'll see what Roma does too. It could be another, you know. Yeah, that could be masterpiece, good. which is what I'm hearing so far, basically. Um, I would say Gravity as well. I do think. I mean, that was. I liked The Martian a lot, but Gravity was like, that was my very high in my top 10 that year. I gave like a perfect score because I thought it's pretty brilliant um, all the way around. Um, sadly, <laughs> I can no longer mention it because it lost in this poll this week. Uh, <laughs> Gravity yeah. has 39% to The Martian's 61%, um, which I honestly, I had no idea. So I don't click these until this night. So I, you know, am fairly surprised by this. And I am surprised. I had no idea where this was going to go. Um, and I'm surprised that it's that it's not a, a lower separation between the two. Um, but yeah, Mar- people like that Martian because of because, yeah, because I, it's a I, comedy. Like, Martian, it's so it's a, it's, it's very fun. It's a fun movie. I was very surprised because when I voted, I was like, I'm gonna get like nine percent for Martian. And I was like, it's sixty. Like it was sixty one at that point. I was like, oh, or like sixty five or something like that. I was like, oh, oh wow. Well, I can't wait to hear the reactions on the show. Well. There we have it. Yep. Grav- yeah. Gravity has now been erased from existence, which is something I didn't think I'd have to say. That's going to that's gonna make some friends of the show really upset, too, because I know there's some big fans of Gravity out there. <laughs> All right. Well, let's move on. Uh, let's get to the uh, feedback now. Let's do that. 
Um, first question here, and feel free you guys to lend any responses. Um, this is a rare position where I don't have to write down all of Alan's gifts, so he can actually come, <laughs> he can actually say his own answers out loud. I um, forgot most of them. Okay, good because I didn't write them down. So there you go. Uh, favorite Ryan Gosling performance. Maxwell's writes, uh, friend of the show, Maxwell Hadid, writes, uh, up until now, my favorite performance with Gosling was Half Nelson, although he's a delight in the nice guys, but it's possible that his work in First Man tops that for me. Susan has Drive, Owen is Dance, and Remember the Titans. Jay, friend of the show, has Lars and the Real Girl. Philip has, he was made for that role in Blade Runner 2049. Justin writes, actually liked him in La La Land. And Chris has Drive and the nice guys. Favorite Gosling I liked him in Crazy Stupid Love. Yeah, I was going to say, I really like him in Crazy Stupid Love. I mean, of course, he's great in Drive, but... I really I, I I miss the chatty, charming Ryan Gosling. Kind of miss that. From Crazy Stupid Love. That's you miss him from that. Yeah, no, no. I mean, I, I miss. He doesn't really do those kind of roles anymore. He, he's doing more the stoic thing lately, which is he's good. I just I, mean, I really liked Crazy Stupid. His last roles were La La Land and the Nice Guys. Pretty chatty. You're right. I actually would say La La Land. He's not that chatty. He's singing and dancing. <laughs> He is, he is, but he's in that. I know he's in his own head for a lot in that yeah, too. Absolutely. Like, the dude won't shut up in Lola Land compared to his <laughs> other performances. He talks a lot. He tells he, he can't save jazz silently. <laughs> I know what you're saying, um, and I, I mean, I'm a big. I was at there was a point, probably not currently, but there was a point where I'm like, this Gosling can't do anything wrong. Like I saw half Nelson very early on. It's like this guy's amazing, uh, and then and he had some other roles, little roles before that. Then he kind of went on from there, and I like I really like Drive. Um, I'm not the biggest fan of Lars and the Real Girl, but I think he's excellent in it. Um, I thought Blade Runner. He's like this movie's made for him as far as playing very silent and in his head, which is what he I think he really excels at, which is why I really like those roles. I would say probably half Nelson's probably still my standout because I was so surprised by a lot of things about that movie. But uh and I you know, I love Drive. I think Drive's great too. So. Yancy, mm-hmm. where you have Gosling? Baby Goose. Uh, I think Blue Valentine would be my choice. Yeah? Oh yeah, that's a good one. Great in Blue Valentine. But he's great in a lot of stuff. I think he's one of the best actors we've got in his age group. Oh uh, Place Beyond the Pines is great too, by the way. I just want to show great in that too, yeah. And Drive for sure. And God Oldie God forgives, in fact, he's really good. It's a oh, yeah. very great performance. Yeah, Definitely not... a movie. Yeah. <laughs> I like that movie. All right, let's move on to our next question. Um, what's your favorite movie about a space-based adventure? Uh, Justin writes Star Wars. I should have wrote except Star Wars because it seems so obvious. But <laughs> Justin writes Star Wars is kind of a given, but probably the fifth element. Valerian, the right stuff, Apollo 13 and Gravity. Oh, and Ice Pirates, because why not? And Philip has Return of the Jedi. Um, I like Fifth Element. And then I didn't. I don't, I don't think I answered this question in gifts today. I don't care. <laughs> you know you what? might have. I don't appreciate that, but that's fair. That's fair. How about you guys? Space-based adventures? 2001 would be my choice. Well, wait. So does Star Wars count? I mean... I mean, yeah. it does. I tried... I should have said, like, except Star Wars. It's just... Now that I think about it, it's like, oh, that's obvious. But, um... Well, yeah, Revenge I mean, of the Sith, then, would be my choice if we're doing those. Yeah, I mean, like, something in the Star Wars realm. I mean, but if I'm not including Star Wars, yeah, 2001's pretty great. I... So something like Blade Runner wouldn't count because they're kind of earthbound. There's no space in those movies. (laughs) Nobody goes to space in that movie that you see. Right. Um, (laughs) Yeah, I can't think of it. I mean, I guess, yeah, it's either 2001 or Star Wars. I I really can't think of another. I'm sure if someone put a list in front of me, I'd be like, oh, yeah, that. But I know it's not not, not Fifth Element. um, But, yeah. I'll just throw out Apollo 13. Yeah, Yeah, Apollo 13. Right, Right stuff. 
All right, yep. let's move on. Favorite historical-based films about important missions. Michael Operation Rice. Double Drop. <laughs> yeah, I know you put that gift. Okay, I remember that one. Though. Yeah, I saw good. that, yeah. Uh, Michael writes <laughs> uh, The Zero Dark Thirty Count, and yeah, of course it does. Uh, Justin and Jeffrey both have Apollo 13. Christine has Tombstone, obviously. Philip writes Black Hawk Down, and Christopher writes Hidden Figures. I do like Hidden Figures a lot more than I thought I would. Um, it's because you just started accepting black people. Yes, that's what it is. <laughs> Uh, wait, what did, wait, what did... Christine... That was the most dry response you could have had to that question. Yeah. <laughs> wait, what did, what did Christine say? Tombstone. I've never seen that. You've never seen Tombstone? What? Uh, I've always heard it's not that great. Um, How have but... you always heard that? The only thing people say is like, that's so fun. Because I don't think, it wasn't like a best picture movie, was it? No, but it was more like, this is such a fun version of Wyatt Earp, which sucked. Like, that's what I keep hearing about Tombstone. I always hear it's kind of like a two, three star movie. It's just like a trashy, fun, like, but it's not great. It's you're not the, the you're story. the first person I've ever heard of it call it a trashy movie. It's oh, <laughs> it's trashy. Tombstone. I'm not saying like it's like a, one of the best westerns, but I think it's a very fun movie that's notable for both Val Kilmer's great performance as Doc Holliday and Kurt it's Russell. It's not one of the 150 ass. best westerns either. I mean, I, yeah, it's, is it a thumbs down for you? Yeah, I thought it sucked. Yeah, but you can expect oh, Yancey to so say fun. that. <laughs> <laughs> it does. It if I had to guess if Yancey liked Tombstone, I feel like no is the answer to that question. Why? Because you like it? No, but I know, but I know it. Ha- I do like Tombstone, but I, it, the reputation that Tombstone has, I've, I've never heard it described as it sucks. Like that's the, the, the like, Tombstone's like built up this weird cult following. Tombstone is a movie if you've never seen another western. That's your favorite western. It's a uh, George. Is- it's it's George Cosmatos, but the, the rumor is that Kurt Russell pretty much directed that movie. So it's the it's the uh, it's the Garden State of westerns. The no. Shawshank of westerns. The yep. Shawshank of western, which is another. Yep. Yeah. I. I never, These are all compliments to me. I don't understand. I've never <laughs> seen another Western, but they can't be better than Tombstone. That's the idea. Right. Yeah, I don't need to see it. I'll live. So it's like Die Hard. It's a three-star movie that's been bloated. Ain't no three stars for Tombstone. Oh, I am way more into Tombstone than I am to Die Hard. We're going to get so much hate mail for all this yeah. Tombstone hating. <laughs> because Peter's random friend told him that nobody likes Tombstone, so he believes it now. <laughs> I think I'm the guy who told him that. Actually. Yeah, that's what it sounds like. Yeah. It sounds like the guy that disagrees with a lot of things is the one that told Peter what to think about Tombstone. I don't disagree with a lot of things. I like real westerns. That's a shitty western. I mean, as I mean, as a person who at my job, I've seen a lot of westerns lately, and, and they're all a lot of them are great. Like a lot of the John Wayne ones and stuff. I just, I just never. Oh, you know, it's another one. Although Yancey, I don't. Know. How is that Silverado? Isn't that the same era? He, yeah, that's that's, right. that's eighty-seven. It's like. Almost a right. earlier. Oh, okay. I'm not a I'm a, you know I didn't. <laughs> I'm not a Costner guy, so you don't need to hear about me of Silverado. <laughs> Open range is good. We talk about westerns, or we talk about <laughs> <laughs> historical oh, films based on missions. Um, what about like Schindler's List? That's a good movie. Yeah, I've heard mission. of that one. It's pretty good. Okay, for sure you know about it. What about like let's move on to glorious our, bastards. Let's move on to our next. Story. Let's move on to our next question. Uh, favorite film featuring a hotel or motel or holiday in as an important location? The Tombstone. <laughs> the Shining. Psycho. Four rooms. The Shining. Psycho. Uh, Philip writes uh, the best the best exotic marigold hotel and hotel Rwanda, to which I replied comedy classics. 
Um, Christopher <laughs> writes, the Grand Budapest Hotel and the Best Exotic Marigold Hotel. Oh. The second best Marigold. He was into the Marigold Hotel franchise. Um, Hotel 67 and White Christmas. Uh, Chris has The Shining and Grand Budapest. Justin has four rooms. Margie has, oh, I- Margie has Identity and Tyler has Psycho. Thank God, like someone in Psycho. Jesus. Wouldn't someone like in Hot Count? That's a hotel, right? Yeah. Kind of. Yeah. 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 Technically, it's a resort, but I'm, yeah. I'll, I'll I mean, the Psycho and The Shining are two of my favorite films, so obviously, but I'll throw in uh, Key Largo. What about Speed yeah. 2 Cruise Control? A cruise ship's like a hotel. Yeah, I mean, you're not wrong. And yeah, that is obviously yeah. the go-to when it comes to cruise ship movies. Clearly. Does Titanic count? I'm going to count Titanic. <laughs> really broadening this category. Uh, it's a floating hotel, man. Let's let's move on. Uh, <laughs> what what MC- about Deep Space Nine? What MCU star would you like to see play a psychopath? Uh, Jay writes Don Cheadle, to which I replied, Devil in a Blue Dress, he's playing a psychopath. Um, Justin has Chris Evans, and Maxwell has um, Taika Waititi. <laughs> That's a good answer. Michael B. Jordan, yo. As a psychopath? Yeah, like... One that you're not hearing him out in the movie going, you know what? Yeah, that's a pretty good idea. <laughs> I think he'd be fun. If not, like, I think Robert Downey Jr. Like, now would be fun to see. Is he a psychopath in that, I don't know, that In Dreams movie? Yeah, he is. If, if, if or is Eddie? he? Yeah. He's a serial killer or whatever. Yeah. Mm. What about, like, Clark Gregg? Clark Gregg is a psychopath? Yeah, sure. That'd be fun. Yeah, all right. You guys? Anyone? It's an MCU question. I pass. I mean, it's basically asking what actor, because all of them have been in an MCU movie, would you like to see play a psychopath? It's can't be well, that how about hard. Sam Jackson? He hasn't done that since the cop movie. Like, the terrorist or whatever it's called? Like, he's not a psychopath. He's just an asshole in that movie. That's yeah, he's a psychopath. I mean, I guess Scarlett Johansson, maybe? Yeah. I mean, like, I'm just trying to think of something that's a little, like, ob- not, not as obvious. I don't, I don't know. William Hurt? Oh, that already happened with that Mr. Brooks. But you didn't see it because it's a Kevin Costner movie. <laughs> he's like I his like imaginary friend in that movie. He's not even nearly in it. William Hurt's real, and Kevin Costner's the imaginary. Oh, that's what it is. It's the other way. No, wait. The... Hold on. That's not right. It's not. No, William no, Hurt's the Kevin imaginary Costner's one. Real. William Hurt's imaginary. Yeah. Oh, they should have flipped that then. You don't have a movie that stars William Hurt in the lead, and Kevin Costner's like not the lead guy. That's true. You wouldn't. That's, <laughs> that's, that's not the box office you go for, featuring Dane Cook. <laughs> Even so, Hurt could have played Sane better than Costner at that point. I mean, we're not disputing that. <laughs> yeah, no. Right. Final question here. Uh, favorite Steve Carell performance? Jeffrey has Dan in real life. Anthony has, ooh, tough one, either Big Short or Foxcatcher. Uh, Maxwell writes Little Miss Sunshine, although he's excellent. Foxcatcher 2. And Philip writes Evan Almighty, and then I shot myself. That's dark. Um, Little Miss Sunshine for me, probably. Yeah, I agree with that. Hmm. Oh, I liked him in Big Short a lot too. I was gonna say I, I really like him in Big Short. I think he's pretty terrific there. There's a kind of, there's a scene where he's really weighing what's going on as far as how bad things are about to get and mm-hmm. like how much money he's going to make off of it that I really like. I really like that kind of. Oh, and there when he's talking to that one guy and like his like the rest of his crew's watching on. Mm-hmm. That's a good scene. Oh, and uh, Scott, he he put in your replies. Scott Mendelson put um, Alexander in the terrible, horrible, no good, very bad day. He did. Um, oh, you know what am I saying? One of my favorite films of that of twenty twelve was uh, Seeking a Friend for the End of the World, which I thought he was excellent in, and I really liked that movie. He was good in that. Yeah, I agree. Oh, but then like Brick in Anchorman was good. Yeah, <laughs> and then like the Forty Year Old Virgin, he was wonderful. 
that's a very human performance that doesn't get enough respect i think as far yeah. as what he's doing in that movie because there's so much going on obviously but like he is playing a guy like in that movie mm-hmm. he's right. a good guy well we got no questions this week so that's enough feedback 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 Let's move on now. Let's get to uh, let's get to at now presents out now. These movies that are coming out on Blu-ray, DVD, 4K, and also streaming. A lot of things here. First up, and feel free to give a yay or nay to any of these. Um, out on uh, home release this week, we have Ant Man and the Wasp. Yay. <laughs> okay. Uh, Unfriended, Dark Web. Yay. Did you see? It? Hey, Aaron, did you see it? I did not see it. I'm curious. I know you were a bigger fan of Unfriended than I was. Well, so, I like Unfriended, yeah. yeah so I, I wasn't racing out for the sequel. It's called Dark Web, and the trailer just made it look really dark. I'm like, I don't know if I need to see this right now. <laughs> um, Whitney. This is the documentary based on Whitney Houston. Um, who's it directed by? It's the guy I liked. He did Touching the Void. What's his name? Kevin McDonald. Kevin McDonald. There we go, yeah. He did the Marley one, right? Yeah, that he, did, really he did Marley. I really like Marley. Yeah. Marley was really good, yeah. Um, Arizona. This is a dark comedy with Danny McBride, among other people in there. None of us saw it, so it doesn't matter. Uh, <laughs> Ash vs. the Evil Dead, the complete collection. So all three seasons. Yay. I am a fan. I have not seen the third season yet, so I'm excited to actually get this, because now I'll actually, you know, I'll own all of these, plus I'll be able to see the third season. So, yeah. uh, Killing Eve, season one. Oh, really good. I really liked the first season. There is a new 12 Monkeys release from Arrow this week. Yay. Yeah. Good movie. 12 Monkeys. Uh, Trilogy of Terror. Yay! I think that's on Kino this week, uh, along with It's Pat and Kazam on Kino. So, you know, horror classics right there, guys. Uh, let's see, on Warner Archive this week, Dracula AD 1972. Muted, yay! <laughs> <laughs> good movie. Uh, let's see, The Big Lebowski 20th Anniversary 4K Edition. I'm excited for this to be the first of what I assume are several 4K releases of The Big Lebowski because it gets released on all formats all the time and new releases. Um, the 1950s edition of uh, Invasion of the Body Snatchers, signature edition from Olive. Double yay. Triple yay. I'm excited for this mainly because of the release because Olive put out like this great, speaking of westerns, this great collector edition of uh, High Noon a couple years ago, which is absolutely fantastic. And so they're doing yeah. it again with Johnny Guitar as well. Yeah, Johnny Guitar. Yeah, so the, like I, I like what Olive does with these signature edition releases. So that's exciting. Me too. I'm waiting for this one. Uh, City Slickers gets a new Shout Factory release this week. Word. Muted, yay. And lastly, Shampoo on Criterion this week. Excellent movie. Fantastic movie, Shampoo. I never seen That's it. a yay. That counts as a yay. I figure that, yeah. All right. New to streaming this week. Uh, first up on Netflix, we have Apostle. This is the new film from Gareth Evans who did the Raid films. Um, I have seen it, and I liked it. Um, it is a slow burn, very much in the vein of Wicker Man as opposed to what the Raid films are going for, but it's pretty brutal. <laughs> so um, it, it has that going for it for sure. Um, let's see. The House on Haunting. The Haunting of House. Uh, bleh, did the same thing as you did. The Haunting of Hill House, a uh, new TV series uh, directed by Mike Flanagan, who's done a lot of horror films I like. Um, I started this. I really like it. Peter, are you enjoying it? Yeah, really like I only saw the pilot. I'm going to watch more tonight. I think it's terrific. And yeah, I'm a big Mike Flanagan fan. So, yeah. And lastly, The uh, the Kindergarten Teacher. This stars Maggie Gyllenhaal. That was a new release this week, too. I think that hit it Sundance a while back and got its uh, share of phrase. So that's on Netflix now. Oh, well, it looks good. Yeah, that looks. I, I like her, but yeah, it looks good. On Prime this week, uh, first up, speaking of horror, we have Strangers, colon, Pray at Night. This is the Strangers sequel, which I was a fan of. I think it's it, it's fine, but it has 
one key sequence involving a pool that I think is like a a classic for slasher films. It's like a standout sequence of like this genre that's pretty. Wait, cool. which, wait, wait, wait! I lost what you said. Which one? Strangers, Pray at Night, the Stranger sequel. Oh, I did hear that was good. Yeah, yeah. Um, like it, it's fine overall, but there's like one sequence. It's like this is great. Like <laughs> this this one part is like pretty terrific. Also, um, the Romanoffs. This is the new show uh, from Matthew Weiner. Um, it's on that's on Netflix now. It was the first season of that show, which I guess has like an exp- like an, an ensemble cast who all uh, claim to be uh, have the blood of the Romanov family from Russia in them. Um, right, and it's kind of an anthology show, right? Yeah, it's I like think... a, yeah, it's kind of an anthology thing. That's what yeah, curious. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, that's uh, what's out now. Uh, let's move on. Now, let's get to next week. Next week we're talking Halloween. Uh, the new the new David Gordon Green film. <laughs> that's a fun thing to say. Uh, uh, but yeah, excited for this one. So yeah, that's what we're talking next week. The last thing we do here now, what should people go and see now, and what do you plan to see next? Start with Peter. What should people see in theaters right now? Uh, I mean, at First Man, and I'm going to see Halloween next. Yancey? Uh, yeah, I would say see First Man, and I still haven't seen Star is Born, so that's what I'm looking forward to most, but also Halloween I'm dying to see. Alan? Uh, Pretty much the same thing as Yancey, First Man. I haven't seen Stars Born yet, so I want to go see that next. And then I still need to watch Venom. But I don't know if I need to watch Venom. <laughs> yeah. but you don't like, I want to see it, too. I'm curious. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'll, there's a matinee like showing out here for five bucks. I'll go see that. Yancey, you have Upgrade at your house right now, which is basically a better version of Venom. Go yeah. watch that. Yeah, watch that. Watch Upgrade immediately. Is that the one that stars Tom Hardly? Yes. It is ironic, but it's poor man's. Hey, man, that guy got a better script. But, I mean, yes, he is. Mm, I'll give it another shot. I watched 20 minutes and I tuned out. I'll give it another shot. What? 20 minutes, it's like, doesn't even get into the, the good stuff in the movie. <laughs> that's, that's, yeah, that's, it's so good. It ramps. I'll give it another shot. I'll give it another shot. <laughs> Where can I watch Upgrade? It's a, it's available now on Blu-ray. And you can oh, probably, I assume right. you can stream it as well if you need so desired. Um, I would say First Man, you should go see for sure. Stars Burn is quite good. Um, Free Solo is the documentary that oh, I, it's great. I am recommending full-heartedly. I think that might, might be the best thing out right now. It's so good. Um, and The Hate You Give is very good as well. That expands wide next week. So uh, yeah, that's one to make time for. And yeah, Halloween is the next film that I'll be seeing, uh, which I'm also very excited for. Um, so yeah, with all that said, that's going to do it for this week's episode of Out Now with Aaron Abe. You can find more of my work at thecodazeek.com. All my written reviews end up over there. You can also find me at We Live Entertainment. All my movie reviews are there, as well as my coverage of The Walking Dead. You can also find me on Twitter at Aaron's PS4. Uh, Alan Aguilera, anywhere people can find you doing stuff? Um, not really. Uh, you can find me on uh, Instagram for A-L-D-O-R-A-Y-N-E. Um, I barely go on my Twitter unless you want to see me do a bunch of re- uh, retweets and stuff. Uh, if not, you can just see me uh, try to go comment on every post on the Out Now message board <laughs> on Facebook. Oh, uh, I want them all. Peter, anywhere you people can find you? Uh, you know, I have not been a lot on social media a lot lately. I am still on Twitter at Pajamo. Um, I'm usually just retweeting, you know, stuff that Aaron uh, <laughs> telling me about. Uh, but I yeah, like I've assembled the most, the least accessible crew for this week's podcast guest. <laughs> <laughs> Yancey, anything? Uh, you know, Yancey Jack on Twitter and uh, Milky Way Blue at blogspot.com. Expect some new stuff there actually soon. Oh, I got cool. some uh, Halloween horror stuff going up. So. Cool, cool, cool. So if there's anyone out there, give it a look. Yeah, no, I'll link to the, link to the blog in the show notes for this episode. 
Thanks, you can find all the episodes of Out Now Third Name over on iTunes as well as on Audio Boom and Spotify. Feel free to email us anything that you want to write about over at outnowpockets at gmail.com. Send, on your di- send us your dinosaurs, of course. Um, uh, Facebook.com slash on the podcast. Twitter.com slash on the underscore podcast. Uh, it's, it is Halloween, which means it's a month of horror, which means send Abe all the scary clown gifts over at outnowpockets at tumblr.com. Uh, so, yeah. Uh, thank you, Yancey, Peter, and Alan for joining me today to Scott First Man and more. Oh, you're Thanks, welcome, man. man. Yeah. Always fun. Always love doing this. For sure. Glad to have you guys all to conversate with about this very film. And until next week when we see just how far Michael Myers has come in 40 years, that's going to do it for this week's episode. So until then, so long and goodbye. That was out of quickies. Tim. <laughs> the timing of that for, for, a, for a car to go by was wonderful. That was really good. That was pretty. Was that you or was that somebody else? That was not. No, that was not me. <laughs> Where'd the car I go by? Was... Peter, was that you? No, not me. No. You can't see it was a car, the car went by with you? It's possible. That was. It was pretty perfect. <laughs> okay. <laughs> that was the best. All right. Back in. <laughs>